0: And now, weighing in, out of the blue corner, John the Paul Thompson, 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in, in from the red
1: corner,
2: Big Sean McCarthy. Nice. All right, here we are again with a midweek edition of the Weighing In Podcast, the greatest podcast covering MMA in the world. It's just the truth. That's why I say it. If you don't like it, I don't care. But- <laughs> What's up, Josh Thompson? How you doing, my man? What's up, buddy, man? I'm good. I'm glad it's midweek.
1: It's our midweek show. The time just can you goes you believe by. it's I mid-week, already?
2: midweek already?
1: Midweek I'm, I'm, already. I'm amped up. I'm ready for uh, this weekend. Good
2: fight this weekend. Oh, great fight. But I don't know if it can compare to last week. That was one of the best shows. I'll tell you what. I, the whole thing fucking on fire man yeah that was a great show all the fights just about were really good and then the freaking the main event dude it was
1: awesome yes i mean
2: um i had heard all the stuff about uh figueredo
1: had been in the hospital until two in the morning came home back performed well i'm excited to see the rematch Uh, the reason why i get nervous about rematches when you saw something good out of moreno is that I want to say the stats, like 80%, the guy who won the first one is going to win the second one. It's more than that. Is it? Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, poor kid. I know. Man. You know, he's, he probably lost about two, three two three years off of his life after that last fight. But, man, <laughs> it was fun to watch.
2: You know, one of the things that I always talk about with fighters is uh, you get a lot of really top fighters that, you know, they're good, but they're really good at being what I call the hammer. They're great when things are working for them and they're not taking shots and stuff. But then all of a sudden they fight that one guy and they start taking shots and it's all, they don't, they are not good at being the nail. Yes. You know, and sometimes you got to be the nail to come out with the win, you know, in the end. And first off, Brandon Marino, dude, that dude is a hammer. He's a nail. He's just a fucking junkyard dog. He was awesome. But so is Fegarito, man. I'll tell you what. Figueredo is tough as hell because he took some big shots. And you know, in the beginning, in his mind, I'm going to put this boy out in yeah. the first round. I'll put him out by the second round. And then the kid's still there and he's like, son of a bitch. And he had to, he had to bear down, bite down, but he did. He took some, he took some shots. He got hurt in the fight a couple of times. But you know what? Performed beautifully.
1: Phenomenal like uh response by him. When things didn't go his way in the third, because the point of deduction was in the third, correct?
2: Yeah, I guess we should talk about
1: that one yeah, again. Huh? Yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. The point of deduction was in the third. Look, okay. So let's let, let's talk let's talk about that real quick. Is uh, you have been reached out? People have reached out to you to, to get your advice on this, and yeah, yeah. And let's just talk about it. it was it had it? Sure, it had something to do with the growing shot. Absolutely. But did. the bottom line is is it was accumulation of other fouls yes. that had also taken place. Eye pokes, growing Eye shot, pokes, some
2: glove fighting. Grabbing of the gloves. Yes. Multiple things had occurred all one way. You know, and and, and I always I always say, look, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Okay. That's just the way it is. Guys are gonna do things at times that, you know, hey, people get mad. And it's like, don't get mad. His job is to win the fight. He's going to do everything he can, and sometimes he's going to pass that line of being legal to try to get the job done. Yeah. Now, do I think that Devison was trying to eye poke Brandon? I don't think he was trying to. It just was occurring based upon the way that he was defending and trying to keep range and judge that distance. You had things happen. But you had multiple times that Brandon Marino got poked he always just said it's okay, I'll go. But he did get poked, and then you had the grabbing of the gloves in you know, underneath to control the hands, and then you finally have a solid, you know, kick that ends up kicking him in the groin. You're you're forcing the the referee to say, hey, I've got to do something to show you you can't do this stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's what Jason Herzog did. It was absolutely the right call. If here's, here's the problem, and I say it all the time. People out there, fans, 50% want Devinston Figueiredo to win. 50% want Brandon Moreno to win. 50% of, 50% of the fans think that Jason Herzog is the greatest referee in the world for taking that point because it was the right thing to do because they wanted Brandon Moreno. And 50% say that's the worst call ever. Because they want a Devis Jason Herzog doesn't care who you want as the fighter because he doesn't want either guy. All he wants is for both guys to come out there, be able to pre- perform to the best of their ability under the rules and regulations of the sport of MMA in the state of Nevada, since that's where it was being contested at, and that he... Is able to control that. And if something happens that makes the fight unfair or disadvantageous for one fighter over the other, he's going to try to write that error. And that's what he did. And it was the absolute right call. Yeah.
1: There's been conversations that you and I have had, and people have commented and brought up on Twitter, also just had reached out to us as well. And the conversation was, well, he was able to perform. His best rounds were fourth and fifth. I love yeah. that. Yeah, but the issue is, though, is that there was still, I want to say, two minutes, maybe three. There was still a lot of time left in that third round. Yep. And he had to get through that third round. And just because the fourth and the fifth went his way, Jason Herzog didn't have a...
2: Was well, he got a crystal ball to predict ball. the future? He couldn't predict oh, that he was going to have I those rounds. I can see. I know the future, and Brandon is going to do good in the fourth round, so I won't take the point not the way it works guys yeah sorry
1: and the other fact is is that look once it, we've seen this before and i'll give you another example is stefan struve took how many growing shots by ben rothwell yep. and when that happened it changed the dynamic of the fight he was not the same fighter and guess what i think when the fans pressure the of pressure the crowd, of the crowd convinced no him to keep going the pressure of I
2: don't want to look weak, and I want these people to be happy with me.
1: Yep. Yep. And so that changed whether he was to continue fighting or not, and it ultimately cost him the fight and a nasty fucking KO. Yep. You know what I mean? So when you're talking about these situation, yes, there is there is a time frame. If I kicked you square in the nuts, are you ready to go in five
2: minutes? Possibly, but are you a hundred percent? Absolutely not. Th- that's the whole thing. You know, is that fighter that gets that receives that blow. Are they the same fighter based upon at that moment? Let's go five seconds before it happens. Are they are they the same fighter now that it has happened that he was five seconds ago? No, no. he's been degraded. Now that doesn't mean that he won't be able to come back and perform, but is he going to be able to perform at that same level? You can't say that he is.
1: Yeah.
2: And you have to look and say that was an illegal blow and this is where fighting is so different than every other sport because the referee can do things where he takes advantages away from the fighter that delivers the fair blow delivers a fair blow it hurts his opponent and you'll see referees coming in and stopping and giving time and you go oh my god do you realize what you're doing how much you're changing this fight you're you're making this unfair well this is a real simple one as far as When that blow lands, you know it's illegal. Brandon Marino doesn't even have to try to block that type of kick because he knows that it's illegal to do. So I don't even worry about it. And then it happens and you're going to get hit by it. But this whole thing is all about trying to be fair. The biggest problem that we have is you'll see referees all the time in situations where fouls occur, they usually will try to do something. That gives a little bit of evening of that playing field back to the guy that was fouled. And if they can do that, we'll say because the fighters are on the ground, the other guy's in the top position, has a mount, we'll say, and he fouls the guy on the bottom, you're going to see the referee. He, he, he may warn him, doesn't take the point, but he's going to stand them up and take them out of that position, taking away that mount position. That's a penalty. Okay. People don't look at it, but that's the penalty that the referee is giving him I'm taking you completely out of a dominant position to tell you you're getting fined for that foul. You can't do that. That's going to be what is my punishment. You know, it's not a point because in MMA and with fighting, point deductions are huge. They are. Yeah. We know that. That's why. We are very judicious in the way that we you know delve them out. We don't just automatically take points. You know, how many times have you heard Joe, you know Rogan talk about? It? I think every time a groin shot, every time an eye poke, you should be taking points. But do you realize how screwed up the scores would be and what yeah. would happen in fights? you know it's 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 a serious thing because when we talk about taking a point, it's the same as, you know, you've got five-yard penalties in the NFL. you got 10-yard. you got 15-yard penalties. And half the and distance then, to the goal line. <laughs> well, not only half the distance to the goal line, that's going backwards. Let's talk about the Hail Mary pass. When you have the ball on your own five-yard line and you throw that Hail Mary pass down the field, it goes 85 yards in the air and there's pass interference. How far is that ball move? Yeah it's moved down the field, you know, 80 yards to where that foul occurred. Now now you're first in goal. Well, that's what happens in the taking of a point. That's why it doesn't happen a lot because it does have a big effect in a three-round fight and then in a five-round fight it's just a little bit less than the three-round fight. The three-round fight, that's a huge huge 33 point, you know, 3% effect on the fight. It may not have an effect, or it may have a great effect. The biggest thing that I look at with people that are complaining about it, because they're saying, "Well, Devinson Figueroa would have won that fight." Nothing changed for Figueroa; yeah. he's still the champ. Yes, he doesn't have a win on his record; he's got a draw, but nothing happened to him. Yeah, nothing bad, nothing that's going to affect him. He's still the champ. He's just going to get a rematch.
1: Yeah, and I look at it this way. For those people at home that are going back on, oh, he would have won. He would. Like, <laughs> you have to remember this as well, is that Moreno was jeopardized because of the eye pokes. He was jeopardized because of the growing shot. There yeah. was multiple reasons why he was jeopardized. It wasn't just because he got kicked in the nuts and, oh, that's it. He was jeopardized multiple times by several eye pokes, not just one. Okay, a couple of them. If you look at his eye, also, he had that little welt right at the eyelid. Like those are things that we don't know if his eyeball was scratched. We don't know any of those things. But the fact that those those eye pokes had happened several times—I want to say two or three times—and then then the growing shot, he's compromised in different areas, not visually being able to see. Maybe maybe seeing a third person. No, now he has no balls, and he was just throwing his balls a second ago. (laughs) Fucking, you know what I mean? So these are the things that change the dynamic of a fight. And so for the fact that Jason Herzog went out there and did what he did especially during a title fight. That's hard for a ref to make Hell that decision. Yes. It's That's really That's a big time hard. decision. That's a big, big time, time. Deci- and I thought he made the right decision. And I don't like to to I don't like to make you feel like you know what you're talking about, but this is one of those situations I feel like you know a little bit about it. <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. But good stuff. I mean, it was uh I like Diego Herzog as a, as a ref. He's I've known him since he I think it broke. Did, did you as say as Diego, as a, Diego, Herzog? Sorry, not Diego Herzog? Sorry Diego Herzog. Jason Herzog, Jason. I Herzen, love Jesse it. Man. Diego Herzog. You he did. He I said did. Diego Herzog. I fucked, love that. That's fucked that's up. That's awesome. I, I just, poor, poor Jason.
2: Well, you know, one of the funny things is this. You know, I had certain reporters that they called and they're asking me questions on it. And they're sitting there saying, Yeah, but you know, we've had guys poked in the eye and this and that. And I go, All right, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. I'm going to either kick you in the nuts as hard as I can or I'm going to poke you in the eye. Which one do you choose? And they go, Well, uh, I don't I really don't want either. Of course you don't want either, but one of them's gonna happen. Yeah. So are you gonna let me kick it or am I gonna poke you? <laughs> they go, I think I'll take the eye poke. Exactly. I yeah. said, everyone looks at like the eye poke is worse. And, and it's bad because it can take away someone's vision. Absolutely, it's bad. I go, but the groin shot is bad too. Yeah. They're both bad. And sometimes the cup actually stops everything with that blow. And it doesn't hurt you at all yeah and there's times when that cup is lifted up into you that it's almost like you didn't have it yeah and so you can't there's no way you know one of the things that that at least now that reporters who are there for the fights be it they're there for the fights for the ufc or for bellator with this COVID event and the no no crowds and the fans, and we talk about it all the time when we're doing commentary, is now the fans, now the reporters are able to hear things that they were never able to hear before. They're able to hear the fighters talking at times. They're able to hear groin shots because you hear the cup. You know when you're in there fighting. You knew exactly when oh, yeah. you hit someone's cup because you can hear it. Well, and I, and I tell them, I, you know, I was telling the reporter, hey. All that stuff that you're hearing now, that's what the referee has heard on every fight that they've ever been in there with. They hear it all the time. You just don't hear it. So that information you can use to say, you know, I can't tell you how many times, Josh, and people are going to think I'm an asshole and that's okay because they're probably right. But I had fighters that got hit by something that I knew they're not hurt, but they're acting like they're hurt. They're trying to get something. And, and I would let them play it out, you know, and I would go down next to them, and I would make sure that if I had a mic on, you were never going to hear. i sit there and scratch at it so it wouldn't work, and I would tell them, hey, just so you know, you know, my kids lie to me all the time, too, and I don't believe their bullshit either, Yeah. and so when you get done with your acting, we're going to get this fight going again, and that fighter would look at me like, you're fucking kidding me, you're an asshole, right? And I'd go, anytime you're ready, and I would just get up and go. and and they would come back to fighting and it's like you can tell the difference not i'm not going to say a hundred percent of the time but most of them you can tell when someone's really hurt or when they're not yeah just back you get yeah. used to it
1: yep sometimes they just want a little a quick break and a reset well Some, and sometimes they, they just start acting like lebron just throwing themselves <laughs> on the floor and shit <laughs> okay
2: like, but you know you, you look and you say all right why Why is it that fouls occur? Well, fouls occur sometimes by accident. Sometimes they occur on purpose because there's retribution. You were fouled. Now I'm going to foul you back. Sometimes it's done based upon, I need a break. I am hurt. A hurt fighter fouls all the time. Why do they foul? Because if I can get the foul, what's the referee going to do? He's going to go time and it's going to give me time to recover while they're recovering and I'm gonna be able to come back in this fight and actually be okay. There's all kinds of reasons that people end up with the foul. You just have to be smart enough as the referee to understand it and know where you can go with it.
1: Very true, yep. A lot of guys will foul just to get their break. You know, Hell like yes. when they're tired. Way. Yeah, when it's not going what? their way. They'll kick them in the nuts or they'll try to eye poke or they'll grab a glove or something just to get a break. Reset and get a and just a chance to reset, get back yep. into the rhythm of things. Okay, let us see if I can change the dynamic of how this fight is going for me. Um, okay, let's pull up this weekend's uh UFC card. Let's start at the top.
2: Pull up at the top. Pull at the top. <sighs> Steven Thompson and Jeff Neal. That's a good fight. It is gonna be a good fight. It is should be fantastic watch I, I, just, I, ju- I just jinxed the hell out of it
1: <laughs> i am actually more looking forward to a couple other fights which I one i want to see the jose aldo and chito vera fight that's the fight that i really want to see Vera,
2: that's a good fight and
1: i am hoping that ty Burra beats the shit out of greg hardy <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping for that and then of course i want to see Duran win fight because he's my boy and you know, I want to see him get back in the wind column. So, and uh, I know that he's has he's doing something this fight that he hasn't done in a long, long time, and that's run. So he was out putting in the road work and getting in that extra mileage, and he's got his weight down. I saw him two weekends ago, and uh, his weight's down. He's looking good, man. He looks lean, looking trim. I mean, I still think he's a seventy pounder. Just needs to get down there, but uh, but yeah. I, I those are like kind of the fights that stick out to me. The most. Wynn
2: Win has the frame of a forty fiber. I know this. Let's I be wow. Well, I don't know. He's got the frame. I love of love the him, guy. He's
1: just so his, oh, his he's, waist and his he's legs and stout. so thick.
2: Man. Oh yeah, he's thick as hell.
1: Yeah, he's but
2: two two o five is it's too heavy for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He needs, I, but I I think this one is at a different it, weight though. No, is this, this is
2: eighty five? I think. I think it, I know. I think that I think this fight is at a catch weight i think they're doing 195 which is actually a weight class but it's not official but i think that they they agreed on a, a 195 on that point. really yeah i could be wrong but i do believe it is interesting yeah
1: pretty cool oh, i cool. guess i should call him and ask him because I, I don't know i thought he was fighting at 85
2: i think it's 95 on that. he point.
1: belongs at 70 <laughs> he's like he's got to be 5 6
2: yeah, he's not tall. Maybe five, maybe five five and But he, but he can wrestle. I give can, him man, rat,
1: man. He's got one of the fucking slickest double legs. Just so oh. fast, so explosive. I was like, God damn, when I see him. Well, he's but, strong as hell. Too. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's a, he's such a nice guy too. I mean, like, if you guys if you guys follow him on Twitter or anything else, don't pay attention to that. He's really a nice guy. <laughs> so, so, um,
2: so do you think Ty is gonna beat Greg Hardy? I hope so.
1: what what i hope yeah
2: what i hope and what i I, because he beat because you're going because he beat ben rothwell but ben rothwell is a zombie yes he's slow yeah but he he, i mean he takes an ungodly amount of punishment and keeps coming forward but greg hardy's fast dude he's yeah he is but also greg hardy has
1: shown that like if you get him into the second round you can push some pressure on him and stuff he'll start to slow down quite a bit he, yeah, but he his has last that. fight he did really good. Yeah, he did. He's he does really well when he's the bully, <laughs> and we yeah. know that, you know. That's true. Um, I, the fight that I'm most excited to see is the Aldo and Chito Vera fight. That's a good one. You know, I, that's gonna be a good one. I mean, I know that Aldo's getting up there in age. Everyone knows that he's actually not that old. You know, how about Marlon that-
2: Moraes and Rob Font, man? That's a great fight. Oh shit! I didn't even see it. I didn't, oh, you didn't know I, that was there. I didn't even see it, dude. That's the fight that I look at and go, ah. dude. That's a, that's awesome. Good fight. That's P- a big Pettis time is, fight.
1: Pettis is on there as well against um, uh Alex.
2: Yeah, Alex Murano. Murano Yeah, I'm like I the, never did I ever think that you would see. You know, I'm sorry. It's nothing. There's nothing. I I think Alex Morano is a good fighter. He's yep. he's tough, tough as nails, but. Never, would, never did I think he would get a matchup uh, with a guy like Anthony Pettis. You know, Pettis is a, you know, he Pettis was at a moment a guy that you know the UFC believed that was going to be the guy. Oh yeah, I was you at know, that the we, the Wheaties box exactly I right at, at that Wheaties moment. box time and everything. You yeah. know, he was selected for that for multiple reasons. Yeah, I couldn't well. have beaten Nate Diaz at a worse
1: time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Honestly, yeah, had yeah. he had he not beaten Benson, I would have got the title shot against Benson. But since he beat Benson, they were
2: like, "Nope, let's just put this well, well, 26-year-old yeah, you got the, you- you got the fight against Benson after yeah, they pulled that. him out. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, he was he was the guy. He was going to be the guy coming off of his great performance in the WEC. And then he lost to Clay Guida, got out-wrestled. But then he, you know, he goes out there and beats Benson Henderson with an armbar. I mean, he was going to be the guy. He was marketable. Oh, yeah. He had a great story about with his father and bringing the title back to his father's grave. He had a huge, he had a great story and so much potential to be marketed. He, he was still, honestly, they marketed the shit out of him. He's still doing stuff for them, you know, toilet tires and all this other stuff. Oh, but yeah. um, yeah, he just uh he went through some ups and downs. I just read I just read and saw some videos on him today about how he was dealing with some uh some alcohol issues and some depression issues and and stuff mm. during all that time. So and said he was smoking a lot of weed at the time also. And so, you know, I think uh it seems like he's back on track. Seems like, you know, he's refocused and and I think there's a lot of things that just people Fighters go through these type of things. They go through them all the time. Yeah. They, we, for the people like Anthony Pettis, that they love this. This is, this is what they've always wanted to do. It hits them the hardest for the people that are just in it for the paycheck and for the celebrity status. It doesn't hit them at all. They're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, sure. It sucks losing, but whatever. People like Pettis, people like you know, uh, Jose Aldo and probably Max Holloway and, you know, and other top fighters around the world. Like they, It affects them, man. It really does. It affects the fact that like, shit, I, I was the best and look, it's not going to last forever, but these guys, every top fighter, I mean, they just, it affects them in some way when they lose because they've given so much to the sport, so much to trying to be successful, so much to living their dream. And uh, I can feel him, man. I can feel exactly. I was there a couple times. You know, I said I went through that shit with the, when I fought Clay Guida and Trevor Pringle was living with me. I was out fucking partying, the whole camp, drinking. I was getting bottle service until 2, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, coming back. Just all that stuff. And it was an every weekend thing. And it would start on Thursday nights. Cause I do Fridays was just, <laughs> yes, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. I never miss training, but you're just not getting the same fighter out of you. And Anthony talking about some of the issues that he went through. That means that your, your training, your training is not right. You know, it just means that like, sure, you feel like you're getting through it. I'm ready to fight. Yeah, maybe you are, but you're ready to fight because you've been doing it for so long that you can yeah. just go through the motions, but you're not getting any better. And he, that's
2: I think the that's, whole point.
1: that's the point of, that's the point of not doing those things is, is they continuously get better, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna go back to the khabib thing. Like the Muslim or Russian fighters, they don't drink, they don't do drugs, they don't go out to nightclubs. They just their life is to and from and being active outside of that, and that's why I think you see the growth of them so much in in other sports, not just in MMA, in Sambo, but in wrestling as well. When you look at the top Russian wrestlers, they're all a lot of them are from that area. Uh, of dagestan or different other different uh areas around dagestan because they have that that muslim culture of this they don't drink they don't do drugs they don't party they don't go out they don't you know they're out just sitting around their family eating food getting a little plump you know but but they're working
2: hard you know they're working hard they're they're active people outside of that how many times have we said man if you're not moving forward you're moving backward yeah and and it's it's so true and i know it doesn't sound right but if you're not getting better, someone that you're going to be facing soon is, Yeah, and that's a problem because this sport, when you talk about, especially the top fighters, we're talking about little infinitesimal, just percentages. I mean, just so minute, but that's the difference in the fight. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be doing things consistently throughout your career to get better, to know more, the, the more, you know, the better you're going to be and it's uh it is sad to see you know hear someone saying that they're having some problems you know alcohol drugs whatever it is you never want to hear that because first off anthony pettis good guy screaming, super good guy guy. super good guy you know and his brother sergio same thing great guy and uh i I hope you know everything works out for him and stuff but this card overall yeah it's amazing because he's not on the main card
1: yeah i know you know Strange uh, to me, I thought he'd be well, the opening I, I, fight I, on the main card at least. Yeah, you know that's, but.
2: that's the whole point. You know, you're talking about a, a prior, to, you know, former champion there and everything. But there are a couple that Marlon Moraes versus Rob Font is outstanding, and then Chaos Williams, the man of the <laughs> moment, the guy that knocks everybody out within a half a minute. He's fighting pahea, who Mikel Pahea, who's just crazy, freaking huge for 170 pounds. Yeah. And uh, you know he's got all those crazy techniques that he uses, so that's going to be fun to
1: watch. Yeah, but he's available
2: to get hit. That's the thing. Absolutely, and yes. if uh, and obviously if Mister Williams puts one of those freaking blocks of granite on that chin, it might be the end of the night. Yep, so it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, where is Marlon Morice at
1: right now for you mentally? Where is he at? You think? Ah, uh, you know,
2: I, I look at his his loss. Uh, you take a look at who he lost to in Corey Sanhagen and man, Corey Sanhagen's top of the food chain. So if you lose to that guy and and I do look at, you know, style wise going into that fight, we said, that's a hard fight for, for Marais based upon the way that Corey Sanhagen fights his length, all of the things that he does really well, that that's going to be a a tough style for him. So I, I look at Marlon and I go, Can he still fight? Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: But is it where the importance of what he does now in the UFC the same to him as it was when he fought Henry Cejudo? I'm not sure it is. It it might be, but I'm not sure that it is. And I think this fight, you know, is Rob Font's good man. I I love watching Rob Font. He is slick in the stand up. So this is gonna be one where. They're gonna be they're gonna be tagging each other, and there's not, you know. I guess you can say there's some difference between Sanhagen and Font, but he's going against another guy that in the stand-up, has got power, is dynamic, not an easy
1: fight. You know what scares me a little bit with the Marais thing is that. What's that? When fighters start to leave their camps that they brought them up, and yeah. they went he went to ATT, had a bad performance how long before he leaves there to go somewhere else again it's that well that's you've got to get it
2: just try you're trying to find the excuse sorry yeah. that's really what it becomes because sometimes it's hard to look inside mm-hmm. and say this is the problem and i'm not saying that it is for for marlin but you know he was with mark henry and uh you know all the guys there you know working out with Frankie's a B Frankie, and it was Michael Eddie Maddox, Alvarez for a yeah, while. Exactly. Alvarez, yeah. He had, he had great guys around him and stuff. And so Barbosa was very successful there. Well, Barbosa went down to ATT. ATT also. Too, so I think that's why he decided to go down that they way. They came up together. They've
1: been coming. They came yes. up together when
2: they were young. Yeah. Yep. But you know, you look at all the success that Marlon had, you know, winning, you know, the world series, of fighting, he was the champion there. That was with that camp. And then coming into the UFC, he, i think he lost his first fight coming in the ufc the first or second but then ha- went went yeah went on that long run and was you know dude he starched like jimmy rivera and guys and, yeah. and aljermaine sterling and he had some great performances and then he he lost to uh Cejudo after yeah. you know the first round that he did really well but you know was it the camp i don't think so you yeah. know I, th- I think part of it is you know he comes in really big Yeah, you know, and he loses a lot of weight to get there, and so you you gotta gotta measure everything out. Not all fights are gonna be fast. Sometimes it takes a long time to get rid of a good fighter.
1: Do you wonder if a guy like him should be at forty five?
2: I think that he should be at forty five. I've said that for how long?
1: He's got thick legs, big ass, small waist, big shoulders, big shoulders.
2: He's big.
1: Yeah, but he's
2: not tall. He's not a tall, tall
1: guy. Yeah, but he's not tall.
2: But he's big, and he cuts a lot of weight, and you can see that it affects his performance. Yeah. I, that, the, the one performance that I'll give him that it didn't affect, it didn't affect him in the Sanhagen fight. You know, Sanhagen was getting the best of the stand-up. It got stopped when he got uh, hurt. Could he have gone on? Maybe. Yeah. You know, it, there's a possibility, but it was stopped, and that's it is what it is. And so, you know, he's got to go back and look and see the mistakes that he made that led him into that, posi- you know, situation. You know how he got caught by that spinning heel kick and everything. You know why? How, why did he miss the setup that would have told him that it's coming, so he would have been able to defend it? You know, all those things are part of your training, and you just go back and you fix those little things, and then come back and do it again. Scroll back up for
1: me, please. Let's see. He's thirty-two years old. He's at that stage in his career
2: where he's in like, the I'm prime st- of I'm his still, career. I'm
1: still in my prime. Okay, but he also sees that at thirty-two, I've got to make it happen now. If it's not gonna happen now
2: got one more
0: chance he's
1: got one more chance he needs to make it happen because but my concern is that you move to florida you move to t maybe to be closer to barboza whatever it is you have you know a long-term relationship friendship with him Mm -hmm. um i I always i've always said this you can leave your camp in between camps to go train at other places
2: i think that's a good thing
1: and then come back yep and train with your guys and that's that's from the, my whole career. I would go train with Rob McCullough down in Huntington Beach. And I'd go to Vegas and train with uh, you know, Extreme Coutures. That's how I met um, Gray Maynard, Jay Heron, Tyson Griffin, all those guys. I would go different. I went train with Frankie Yeager multiple times in in uh, Tom's River. You would go up and go all these different places. And get as many rounds in as I could with people that were there. Went out to Austin a couple times. Was out there training. Was in Fort Bragg also too in North Carolina training with Tim Kennedy, like and some I mean, people there. There's there's ways to go and do it, and then come back and implement the new stuff, or just pick new things up, or and just get a, a get revived again.
2: Yeah, but it, it energizes you for yes. your camp. Yes, when you're able to go with those new, those other guys, and you're you've got a different, just a different vibe, and you know you're picking up little things that they do and you're kind of giving them things that you do and there's that trade of information and that all of that is good in making it to where it stays fresh yeah and when you can keep your training being fresh you're going to get you're going to get better yeah yeah i
1: agree i think uh but concerns me is that he going ahead to florida he's at att not that ht is not a great camp it's a wonderful camp yeah, so when you change camps, when you change camps and your first fight there, you don't have a good performance. It you're, Now your mind starts fucking with you. Like, why did I leave? Why did I not? Why am I? You know, like, why did I really or are you there just because this is where you can see yourself retiring and you just jump the gun a little bit because you're coming off of a loss from before. There's a lot of things that are probably that are probably going through his mind. But what's going through my mind is like, why are why did you all of a sudden decide to move? That's one. Two is. You're there, and you're coming off of not a great performance against Sanhagen. Now, where are you at mentally coming into this fight? He's a he's a winner like, that he is. He'll find ways. Yeah. He, he generally will find ways to win. I just he's got to be thinking. I'm 32. We're coming to a close. Not that his career is coming to a close, no. but the door is closing on him to get title shots. Yes, we, we saw it. You'll see it. The UFC will eventually say, like, look, you've had a chance. You've we've given you several chances to be the champion, and you blew it. And it's going to get to the point where now you're not so much a gatekeeper. You're going to, but we're, you're going to hit, it's going to take five or six more fights to get you back to a title versus, okay, you're next. You're next. Yeah. We, you've been next for a while one fight away. Yeah. yeah. So I wish him the best. Should be a good fight though. Go back to the main car, please. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, to me, it's the, the Ty Burra and Greg Hardy. You think Greg Hardy's too fast for him? You think he's going to get him out of there?
2: I I honestly think that Greg Hardy is much bigger than Ty mm-hmm. and which Ben Rothwell was much bigger and, and Ty Burra took a lot of abuse in the beginning of that fight Yeah, with Ben Rothwell survived it and then came on and just, you know, had a really nice performance, but it's the, the athleticism of Hardy makes it difficult speed kills and he's the faster fighter. He's the bigger fighter that makes it a tough fight for Ty Burra. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that being. I can see that happening. Tibor's got the. He's got the experience. I'll give him that. Yeah. You know, and he can definitely win that fight. I'm not saying he can't win. It. I'm just saying I think if you're looking at odds wise, I think Hardy's your favorite. I think the only way to win that it,
1: for Tiborah is to Tibura is to get into the late second round push, and he's got to be set at yeah. the pace. He's basically. That. He's got to wear. He's got to wear Greg Hardy out with with
2: punches to his face he's and got that's... to push the pace to the point that greg hardy wants to puff on that asthma reliever yes yes <laughs> yes yes
1: and then um the jose aldo and chito vera fight ah oh,
2: man i'll tell you what I, you know i and again i look at aldo although he's a, a younger fighter things are changing and he's taken. you know it. people don't realize what damage does to a fighter and and i'm going to just say he took way too much damage in that peter yon fight yes he did you know way too much i mean people can sit there and say whatever they want as far as well you got to give him a chance he got the chance yeah and in the end you pay for those things and cheeto vera right now dude he's a killer man he's good he's a lot better than people give him credit for and speed wise I always thought that Aldo was one of the faster fighters out there at times, you know, with his kicks and everything. He's not going to be uh, any faster than Vera. I'm not saying he's going to be slower. But there's a confidence difference right now. Yeah. And confidence sometimes is key to winning a fight. And right now, Cheeto Vera is very confident. He knows that he had a really good fight. I'm trying to think of who did he lose that fight to. Um, God dang it. It was It's uh, the Chinese. Uh, you know, I can't say his name. Your no. yo, yo,
1: yo dong, your song. Yeah, <laughs> your dong song. Is that what yo it is? Dong okay. yeah.
2: Your song. That was a fight that he believes he won, and a lot of people believe he won that fight. Yeah. And so he didn't get the decision. And then he comes back and he, you know, puts on a great performance against uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley and gets, you know, gives him his first loss. Right now, he's high on. Yeah you know the confidence and feeling good about fighting this is a perfectly timed fight for him so I, it, you know this will be a, a a real a real test and a real tell on where aldo's career is going to be i honestly look at it you know the same as i i looked at the tony ferguson thing mm. a little bit older he's not old but a little bit older but it's the damage that he's taken in the, Recent you know, fights, the the fights that he's had, he didn't really take you know much damage when he faced Marlon. You know he took shots and he got hurt once, but you know it was a matter of, eh, you know it was a, it was a close fight, it was a good fight, but it's a matter of, you know I think that's three fights in a row. He lost to Volkanovski, he lost to Marlon Moraes, and now he lost big time to Peter Yan. Those things add up. They yeah. just add up.
1: This is at this is this is at thirty five, correct? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it is must it? be Mar, Mar- uh Cheetos at thirty five because he fought yeah, Sugar. Normally. Yeah, normally. Yeah, so then oh, Aldo and him are at. I, I gotta say, it's the same thing. I look at with the Tony Ferguson thing is that yeah. you take you took a lot of damage in the last fight, and like I, I've said this before, as I speak from experience, I was not the same fighter after I fought Tony Ferguson after I've taken that amount of damage at the age that I was at now. Aldo's not as old as I was when I fought Tony. I was thirty-seven or thirty-eight. I think it was thirty-eight at the time. 37. God 37 damn, you were old. Yeah. <laughs> so when I fought Tony, I was 37, 38. and your your body, your brain doesn't recover after that. It takes a long time, and I didn't give it a much time. It was like, it just I wasn't the same fighter, and I knew yeah. it. I knew it in training. Knew it all the time. You know, after that fight, Jose Aldo took a ton of damage in that fight against Peter John. Huge. A ton of damage in the nastiest ground and pound. You know what I mean? And so in that fight, given that with Chito Vera coming in, his confidence is high. What's Aldo's confidence going to be? On top of that, the UFC is basically saying right now, this is the changing of the guard. This is Chito Vera's opportunity to seize it. If he beats him, that puts him right into that conversation and that mix of potentially getting, not a title shot, but being next or next in like one or maybe two fights away from talking about title shot. Beating Sean O'Malley, beating Aldo. Okay. There's really nowhere else for you to go. Who else is next? We're talking well, I mean, Sanhagen. Talking, We're
2: talking if, if he exactly if he gets a win against Aldo. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're putting him into that position where yeah he's going to fight a, a Corey Sanhagen. He's mm-hmm. going to fight those guys. You know the Rob Font, Marlon Moraes winner. That's the kind of thing that's going to happen. And now you yeah. get a win there. Now you're talking. You're, you're putting that position.
1: Yeah, time. you're talking Pedro Munoz, Frankie Edgar, Cody Garbrandt. Well, Cody's probably oh. going to be at 125. So then you've got Marlon Moraes, you got Cody Sanhagen, or Corey Sanhagen, you've got Algernon Sterling. So Sterling's fighting uh, Peter Yan. Sterling, yeah. And then Sanhagen's probably just chomping at the bit for whoever's next. Marlon Moraes will be available if he wins, or not Mar- uh, Mar- Marlon. Marlon Moraes, if he wins this fight, yeah. probably have him fight maybe, Chito maybe in that conversation. Yep. Pedro Munoz as well. You know, um, with Frankie, I mean, I'd like to see Frankie just get a title shot right after that. <laughs> uh, no bias there, of course.
2: None at all. You know. None at all.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how this all pans out, and we do this all the time. Aljamain Sterling's already fighting for the title. Co- Corey Sanhagen, where
2: does he go? He just beat Marlon Moraes. Where does he go? Well, that's he- the, you know, the, this is the problem. Here's your MMA math. You got Aljamain Sterling. Who loses to Marlon Moraes big time gets yeah. knocked out huge. Yeah. Then you have Aljamain Sterling. He beats Corey Sanhagen later on, and then Corey Sanhagen beats Marlon Moraes. You know, at the top, anybody can get a win on a certain day depending upon what's you know going on in their life, sure. their training, and everything. But Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan, you know, it's a good fight, and Aljamain definitely has his his places in the fight that he can win that fight. But, boy, he's going to have to go through hell to get that fight to where he needs it to be because it is not going to come easy.
1: Scroll so I can see the whole top the whole top 15. Yeah, so Chito Vera's 15. Well, I'm, g- I'm
2: glad you get this top 15 nah, look sorry, and everything buddy. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to do it off the top of my head. Ugh,
1: Bad. Big, look at the big brain on Big John. <laughs>
2: big brain on Brad. Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, you got Rob Font there fighting Marlon Moraes. You've got Chito Vera fighting uh, Jose Aldo. I mean, it makes... It makes Makes sense. You may end up seeing Cheetah Vera and Rob Font fighting. If yeah. if both of those guys win, you could see that fight happening next. Absolutely. So that's a good little position to be in for those guys. So good luck to them. Uh who else is on this card? Jeff, Neil,
2: and Wonderboy. What do you think? Come on. Man, it's a good fight. I don't I you know I look at it now. <sighs> you know, Wonderboy is getting a little bit older. And it's the speed has always been what, and the, the, the ability to maintain distance and, mm-hmm. and control range makes him dangerous all the time. But it was always the, the ability, the speed of his attacks when you came into that range that made him, you know, so hard to deal with. And I'm not sure that right now it's the same. You know? So I, right now I'm looking, I think Jeff Neal's the favorite
1: here's the thing like he um can you click on steven thompson what is he 37
2: Mm. let me see 37 38.
1: 37 37 years old um he's good at keeping the one thing with him is he takes care of himself yes he does you know and so i he will around this time is when he'll start slowing down probably like 36 37 a little bit but he's just so good at what he does yeah like you look at like with Machida as well he's slowed down a lot but people still fear like just the unexpectedness of what's coming from him and i expect jeff neal to be a little cautious in the first round maybe even two but if he's having success with certain stuff i think he'll run away with it after that but if he's not it could be a snowball effect the opposite way in terms of he just won't he'll be a if not afraid to pull the trigger he'll just be hesitant to pull the trigger because we've seen that with people that have fought Steven Thompson. You know I mean? Look at uh T-Wood. T-Wood like he fought him twice, just just was didn't really want to throw anything. Just it second guessing yourself, you know, getting in the mix. When he did throw, he landed and he had success, but he never he you have to you have to work your way in there, and that's hard to do when you have to deal with someone like Steven Thompson.
2: Yeah, but it's also when you're looking at Jeff Neal against Stephen Thompson, you're not looking at a guy that had the wrestling ability of a Tyron, Tyron Woodley either. Yeah, that's true. Because you know, mm-hmm. when you're looking at Thompson, Thompson had to be careful about not being taken down and controlled by someone like Woodley. Yeah, He doesn't have that same concern exactly with Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's a stand-up guy. If you take a look at, you know, look at all of his fights in the UFC, I think he's undefeated in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But I think his last do you know who his last fight His last loss was against? No, I don't. Kevin Holland. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. See, yeah. Keep on bringing up Holland, man. I love that guy. Uh, uh, That's crazy. I think that's his last loss because, you know, he beat Mike Perry. He beat freaking Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, you know, and he's good.
1: Frank Camacho. Yeah. 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 Mike Perry. Yeah, I beat all those guys. His last Mm -hmm. loss. Bilal Williams, yeah, he. Who's box. his last loss? Kevin Holland. Yeah, I got it right. Kevin Holland. Look at the big brain on Big John, though Damn, <laughs> um, he's good. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you on this. You know, so can you pull up? Can you pull up the um, my bookie uh, odds? Let's see what the my talk bookie to me odds. about my bookie. Let's see what my bookie odds are. Yes, he is slightly favored. It's actually see? minus
2: one twenty and minus one ten. Okay, so so it's close to even. Yeah, you know that's as close as you're going to get, basically. So that's it. It it says it's a toss-up fight, and I, I agree with them. You know, both guys have their their ways of winning the fight, but I look at if Jeff Neal can can at times make Steven uncomfortable with the range and make him have to do things to try to get himself back into the range that is taking away his offense it's going to start running in his direction. If he can't, Stephen Thompson will control the fight and win the fight. That's not a bet that I would
1: really place, but then you guys should not listen to me when it comes to betting. I've lost all my (laughs) money already. uh, Chito Vera and Jose Aldo. Chito Vera is uh, the underdog, so it's minus 140 for Jose Aldo and plus 110 for Chito Vera.
2: I know people would think that they're taking a big chance on that. I don't think you are. I actually think that Cheeto Vera got a very good chance of winning that fight.
1: That would be someone I would bet on, so probably don't want to listen to John. Leon, yeah, don't, don't do
2: it. <laughs> don't do it. Then. <laughs> oh,
1: that's hilarious. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's,
2: the, what's the Greg Hardy Tybura?
1: Let me see. Pull it up real quick. Oh, yeah, I'm scrolling up. There it is. Greg Hardy is minus 125 and Tybura okay. is minus 105.
2: Okay, so Greg Hardy's a slight favorite. All those are going to change you know when when bets start really coming in getting close to the fight got it. got it pettis is the uh
1: favorite minus 225 oh had to be and then scroll down a little bit let me see the other guys no the other way there you go yep dun, dun. oh rob font and marlon Morris. marlon rice is favored uh 150 plus 120 for rob font I mean, yeah, very close fights. I I hate that they are getting so good at putting these odds so close. <laughs> Thank <together>. you. <laughs> it
2: really upsets oh. me that they actually look at it the kind of way that I do. I go, damn, they kind of take away the fun because I want to yeah. find that one that I go, oh, they're wrong on this. one. Yes. Boom, that's the one I'm doing. That
1: sucks. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, if you guys go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com, you guys can use the promo code Wayne in. Go there if you guys plan on betting on these fights the UFC this weekend go there take our advice don't take our advice be better off not taking my advice maybe taking big johns advice <laughs>
2: put a little um, skin in the game and they'll give you 50% back again exactly so if you
1: put 500 in they'll give you an extra 250 to spend on your first initial deposit of the $500 so what hope- more could you
2: ask for josh uh, 100% <laughs> <laughs> they did that in the beginning for yes, us. Yes, they did. Yes, they did.
1: <laughs> also go to Pro slash weighing in. Use the promo code fight. Get an additional twenty percent off there as well. A couple new shirts that we put up, the black and white version of the weighing in logo, as well as the Terminator that's up that that uh podcast Dave did. So Beautiful shirts up there. We've also got the Karate Kid. We've also got the Weighing In logos in different colors and different shirts as well. So uh, oh. go out there and pick yourselves up a Weighing In shirt. Support it. Give it as a gift for Christmas. We want to thank you guys for tuning in and post your post yourself wearing the shirt. And we will retweet, repost it. And uh, thank you guys. We appreciate you guys so much. All of those things. John, you got anything else to say?
2: Yeah, hold on. We, got, we can't go anywhere. We got to talk about a couple things. Oh, everyone's let's talk. Saying we, Everyone's saying we're wrong okay about what and sometimes we are it's okay (laughs) and that's okay first off i i love the fact that everyone thinks that you know i i am predicting that tony ferguson is going to get cut i'm not predicting it i'm saying it's a possibility yeah okay i hope he doesn't i hope hope that they keep him forever okay but it is a possibility and it's always a possibility Mm -hmm. but when you take a look a look at a guy two losses in a row the thought of championship is kind of gone right now for a while. And the relationship has been strained. That's why I said, look, they might cut him. But that doesn't mean that they are. I'm not saying they're going to. It, when I say, I guarantee this, that's what I'm saying. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, Second, Dana, came out, Dana came out and said that he's like, no, I could see him having it. You know, he's got one or two more good fights in him and this and that. I, I get it. You know, and, and it's also, that. too, is with Dana White as well. He's a businessman. And so in making that decision is like look, if I am going to lose Tony Ferguson, I'm going to start building my younger talent on him. You know? So you could see him fighting I could see him fighting Islam Makachev. I could see him fighting someone in the top, you know, 11 or 12 to try and build that younger talent. That's what yeah. they're going to do. And so there's no reason to get rid of Tony and I I I got a lot of heat as well from you from us saying this. We're not hoping that he gets cut and I hope God he doesn't. No. You know, I I actually really enjoy watching Tony fight. And I'm a big fan of Tony's. You know, people may think that I've got some ill will towards him. Absolutely not. You know, um, I I always send him comments and and, uh, and, and DMs basically wishing him luck on all of his fights after we fought. And I have no ill will towards anyone because in 20 years, guys, none of this shit's going to matter. Okay. So the fact that I'm going to think I'm going to be some asshole to someone that I have fought and beat me is absolutely not true. I hope i wish him the very best in whether it's fighting or just in real life yep. and uh yeah i hope he does not get cut
2: so and tony tony used to work out at my gym yeah okay i've known tony forever and i love tony you know but before the fight you know you and i texted and i think i said hey you know, i hate to say it but olivera is going to win this fight and you you came back with a you see Suck, man. <laughs> I'm i I'm staying with Tony Ferguson because yeah. I am a guy that's loyal. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I was so, hoping he would win, man. I was hoping yeah. he would win. Yeah, so it's I wanted good. him. To, I wish him the very best as well. What else? The there next was something else. thing
2: is Bellator signed Yomel, Yoel Romero. Did I say Yamel? Yeah. Yoel Romero was yes. signed by Bellator, and so we were wrong about that. Yeah, have, we have were. Have we not talked since then?
1: No. We didn't talk since then. I no. thought we talked about this on Saturday, maybe because so no. many people have been hitting me up about it. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, John. almost got us Thank off the show. Thank you very much. Jeez. exactly. Okay. Let's have this conversation. Please. The conversation was you and I, <laughs> it, people, were like, people were saying, oh, man, you guys said you were hoping they we didn't sign him. I was hoping we didn't sign him at 185. I was hoping we didn't sign him based on the fact, yeah, he is older and also at 185. We don't have a stacked division there, so bringing him in doesn't really make a lot of sense.
2: But I said I would love to see him fight Gegard Mousasi. Yes, I would love to see him fight uh, Gegard
1: Mousasi. Okay. But what I feel like what Bellator did do... I was trying not to sound stupid there. What they did, <laughs> re- what they did, did very yeah. well was they brought him in at 205, which changed the dynamic of how the press release was going to happen and the potential... The potential matchups with now newly signed AJ uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, Corey Anderson, Nemkov being the champion, Phil Davis being there, Machita's there, eighty five two hundred five somewhere throw him in the mix.
2: Two other signees from Russia that are freaking outstanding,
1: outstanding guys. And there's there's also now the possibility of Gegard Julius going up and Anglicus,
2: who people don't know, and Carl Albrexen. Yep.
1: Uh, you've got now you've got the possibility as well of Gayguard going up in weight if there is a potential of, you know, everyone's talking tournament, that this will potentially be a tournament. I thought, I was hoping we'd see the 135 pound uh, World Grand Prix. But here's the thing. With all of these guys right now and the press being about this, you have really no choice but to potentially try and throw this thing together. I'm just being honest. Talk about just the buzz it's creating because if it was at 185, everyone's like, eh. But the fact is he's going up to 205. And now with AJ and with Corey and with all these other fighters that are already been there in Bellator, it makes for a fun conversation, extremely fun conversation. And there's, if they did do the tournament, then that just means like, look, that means that they're they're bringing him in based on the fact that they had to make waves right off the bat. They know that he's 44, okay, and they're like, hey, what can we do to throw this in there and make a big splash in the pan? Well, let's do this. Let's have them fight at 205. Let's have them fight all these other top guys. And let's do a turn. I could see that happening. I could just, yeah. in my mind, I could see that happening. And that's no other way to basically say, hey, UFC, we've got the best 205 pound weight class now. That's the way that they're going to try to, that's the way that Bellator going to try to use this, as I would imagine. Oh, I'm sure.
2: I'm sure. No, no I, doubt about it. But I look at it and it's, I said, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled yoel was the guy that i looked at and said and and i love how people said that i it wasn't me it was you (laughs) who said and people don't understand the context of what was said when we say that you know cubans you know change their age or it was the comment of lie about their age we're talking about people in sports. Yes. In the Cuban government when you're in the sports program. Gosh. They would change your age. It's not the person changing their age, it's the actual government and the athletic body that is in charge of that sport. They would change a young person's age so they could compete internationally. Normally done in like baseball Little League World
1: Series, that yep. type of stuff. That's mainly what the focus should be on.
2: Yeah. You know, but, but it's done, you know, in all different sports and it, it happens all the time. So I look at Yoel and being 44 years of age. Yes, he's 44, but he's kind of like, in my opinion, the Randy Couture where Randy was 43 when he was going to fight Tim Sylvia, but he was a 43 that was actually physically and the way that he had taken care of his body throughout the years. He's 34, 33 years old. Yeah. You know, and I think Yoel is that same thing. I think physically, although he's had neck problems in the past, if you look, he's got a giant scar going down the back of his neck, like yeah, I do. He doesn't even have you know? a neck. I don't understand oh, where his problems dude, are. He's got a neck. It's called his thigh. Yeah, it's so. Okay, crazy. it holds his head in place. You know, but he's he's a he's a, a just a genetic marvel. He's a physical monster. And if I'm gonna sign a guy that's above the forty mark, that's the kind of guy that I want to yeah. do it with. Yeah. So, we were told no, it's not going to happen. So that's why we told all of you no, it's not going to happen. Well, they came out publicly and said that they wasn't
1: yeah, going to no. happen. They, no, we're not interested. But that being Things said, changed. management management comes to them and talks to them and says, "Hey, what, what are the about option? This? Like, what about this? Let's say we have and, uh, like he's willing and he's open to it." And from what we have heard from Yoel Romero, that the UFC had also told him that they wanted him to start fighting at two hundred five. They had offered him a fight at two hundred five, and it just to fight. Apparently, the guy that they wanted him to fight it didn't make sense. He's like, "Why the- am I going to fight a no name guy when I want? If you're going to have me fight, I want to fight somebody that's going to get me closer to the title." And they didn't have that right. desire to do that. Whereas now, when you go to Bellator at 205, potentially fight an Anthony Johnson or a Corey or a Nemkov, that makes a little bit of sense. You're going up to 205 and you're willing to fight the best guys. That's all we're looking for. That's all Bellator's looking for, you know. Yeah. And then if you throw it into with this whole. You win a million dollars in the tournament, plus your fight purses. I mean, shit. Uh, hello. What's yep. not to motivate him to fight? So, <laughs> I, look, also, it just brings in new, fresh media eyes to say, like, holy shit, they're getting their shit together. You know? Like, they, they have something that we can write about. They have something that we want to talk about. And I we've been saying it for fucking two years now. But I think now, with all the newly signed guys that are bringing – that is bringing more credibility to our roster that we have always known that we've had, we've had AJ McKee. We've had Patricio. We've had Lima, you know, we've got, we've had Korshkov, We've had all these, we had, we had Roy McDonald for a while. You know, we had these guys, but they lost to the guys that we currently have on the roster, you know? And sure. You can say what you want about them. Like, Oh, Roy was older. He he's still a fucking damn older. Good fighter. He's a damn good fighter. He's a young fighter. Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <He is. laughs> you know, so, like, but he's, Taking damage. Yeah, he has taken damage. But it's like a lot of... The, and he took a lot of damage from Lima the first fight. Didn't take oh. as much from the second fight. But there, there's these fights that are out there to be made. And it just... When we, Where for years we've talked about cross-promotion. And to have AJ, Corey Anderson, and Yoel now fighting in that 205-pound weight class and the potential of seeing some cross-promotions between Phil Davis, Nemkov, and the other two Russians that we signed and you know Al Brexton, and you said incley and these guys they're good they're good i want to see how it all meshes up together and if you've seen it in the tournament hello thank you um thank you thank you scott coker thank you yep. rich chow thank you, thank you kogan thank you guys yep. thanks yep. for doing it what else
2: nope that's i'm good now I think are you all got... good because you almost got
1: I you i almost skated out of here without talking about the you ul did. thing yeah you
2: did no man I'm People
1: a, would have just ragged on us. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> but uh,
2: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another edition, a midweek edition of the Weighing In Podcast, the greatest MMA podcast. And you'll hear about that from our guest in the universe. We have Josh, the real punk Thompson, the man with all of the opinions. Not all of them, right? Not like, well, neither of us are always right. But we try so what we're going to do is we're going to have a great show and we have a guest we were talking about things last show and it was about the court case that's taking place and what that means to fighters and the ufc and we have someone to talk about that today in our special guest mr nate quarry thank you nate
0: for coming (laughs) and joining the boys on weighing in what's up son Man, I'm just I'm just thankful I get invited to the cool clubs, kid. I'm just an old school nerd. I have got my comic book shirt on, yeah. I'm doing a comic book, and you guys are you got the black hats, and I'm just sitting here like, guys, can I? Can that's I jump because in it's, too? We're, we're
2: not we're not good enough to comb our hair like you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's no. true. Oh my God. You'll notice how I have the camera set. Yeah, if it goes down a little bit. I get the uh, I get the little circle of hair oh, here. That I have there to- you know. <laughs> It's it's depressing.
1: Oh uh, it's all part of getting older, buddy. It, soon you're gonna look like your goatee's gonna look like John's, just all that gray <laughs> yeah. right there.
0: I'm just glad humor. that that you're you're willing to have me on and listen to me oh. for a change because we were in the back room. I'm cornering Josh Haynes, you're giving the last minute instructions, and you point at me. Look, tell Josh, okay, out there in between rounds, you listen to me. You don't listen to Nate Quarry, he's got nothing <laughs> important to say. You listen to me. I'm in charge out there. I'm like, damn, what? You know, to be fair, though, that was the show where I think we were given three bottles of water and we had to show up four hours early. So I took an entire tray of water and hid it in our dressing room. And people were looking for that for hours. So I got the last laugh.
2: Uh, You know, back it was incredible back then what athletic commissions would do. I used to grab cases of water and hide them and bring them into fighters room they would give them two bottles of water and they weren't allowed to go anywhere it's like are you trying to kill these guys yeah. before they fight just the things that went on if people knew it sounds like something the commission yeah. would do <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, they, they run everything just so ass backwards
2: ah hopefully they're better
0: now yeah, yeah i would smuggle in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because yeah. i would be starving and uh, you have to be there four hours before you yeah. fight and yeah. i'd be in the corner open up my bag shove a few bites in my mouth and try and get away with a, a, a performance enhancing pb and j yeah.
2: oh dude hey that is performance enhancing you know it is
1: <laughs> we grew up on them oh man i did I was That's... funny you guys are telling stories and i was saying i was just telling john i was like you know we used to fight on a lot of the same cards together with chael with trevor prangley yeah. yourself oh yeah <clears throat> um back in the day it was what was it called wpko right it was uh steve Boyd's. Steve Boyd's the world
0: pancreation and kickboxing organization. Yeah. I was the I think the light heavyweight champ yeah. and the middleweight champ or something. Yeah. And you can tell Mike Whitehead, I'm still the champ. He did not <laughs> take that belt. You tell that. Do you want to tell that story? He's a lot bigger now, story. buddy. He's a lot bigger <laughs> now. If you run into him, I'm not sure you want to fight for that. Yeah, I was I'll, I was the I, I
1: was the lightweight WPKO world champ or whatever it was. Yeah. I beat one of uh I want to say it was Two of your guys's guys out of nice. your guys's gym, they were yeah. probably assholes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. We uh, there was I. I was trying to tell someone the other day. Remember the remember the time there was that big bodybuilder guy had said something to Randy's wife, and there was a yeah. big brawl up on the thing. Is like, and that yep. was that was me that started it all because the yep. guy was being very disrespectful. Guy was probably yeah. I don't know, almost 260 280 <laughs> and I just fucking just he was like he was saying something to Randy's wife. I didn't even know what her name was at the time, but we were up on Pretty the stage sure. and he Trish, was yeah. calling her names and I was like, hey, hey that's no way to talk to He's like, you know what? Fuck you. And I was like, <laughs> bam, bam. I had fought earlier. I just started throwing blows. <laughs> Guy went down and everyone jumped on him. They're like, just hold
0: him down. Get him down.
1: <laughs> Man, we had, oh some, we had some wild times back then. It was good. It's a lot of, Dude, good, I, lot of good memories.
0: I got to tell the Mike Whitehead story, at least an ab- abbreviated version of it. Go So... Like two weeks before I fight, Mike, I fought one of your teammates, took the fight. I show up on a Friday. The promoter, Steve Boyd, comes up to me and he says, hey, what do you weigh? I'm like, uh, like 205. He goes, don't eat anything. I think I got somebody who'll fight you. I'm like, cool. So I weigh in, fight the next night, knock the guy out in the first round, just hit him with a big left hand, split him open. A week or two weeks later, now I'm fighting on another car for Steve Boyd against this guy. I have no idea who he is. Mike Whitehead. Yeah. No clue. But Mike knows that I knocked out his teammate two weeks before. So in the WPKO for a title fight, the first round was 15 minutes. And then you come back out for a five-minute overtime. The referee, the judges, and the timekeeper – were chosen out of the crowd. These were people that bought That's perfect. tickets. That's yes. perfect. And the promoter went up to him and went, hey, I think you'll fit in the referee shirt. Why don't you be the ref <laughs> for the night? I'm not kidding. And so ding ding, the fight the referee looks at Whitehead and says, Are you ready? Mike says, yeah, runs across the ring. Referee looks at me, are you ready? I'm like, what the fuck? Mike grabs a hold of me in the corner, slams me down. I throw on a triangle, he throws me underneath the ropes, is punching me through the ropes. Referee breaks us, stands us up, moves me back to the center of the ring, tells Mike, all right, get back down the triangle. Mike looks at him and goes, No. Like, get back down on the triangle. <laughs> no. He looks at me, he's like, uh, Nate, stand up. Okay. No. I stand up. I he's go back like to no. my quarter. <laughs> he looks at Mike, says, Are you ready? Yeah. Mike runs across the ring. <laughs> Are you ready? What? He grabs me. This goes on and on and on and on. At, at one point, the, finally, my team yelled enough at the referee to force us keep Mike in his corner. Yeah. So we finally meet in the center of the ring. For the first time, I'm able to sprawl. I'm on his back for five minutes, literally five minutes, hitting him with right hooks to the ribs. Mike's hand is outside the ring, trying to pull himself out underneath the ropes while you are there cheering him on to do so. Damn, what's with you, Josh? I sit up, really big, (laughs) land a big shot. I grab the rope. I grab Mike. I pull him back into the ring. The referee starts yelling at me. Let go of the rope. What are you doing? And I start yelling at the ref. Fuck you. I'm doing your (laughs) job. He's trying to escape the ring. I turn around. I hit Mike, and we keep on going. Um bell rings we come out we fight some more at the end of the night so so first off the first round was supposed to be 15 minutes the timekeeper bumped the clock 22 minutes straight we fought <laughs> then we came back out for a five minute overtime oh. and this is what i was told by the judges that the promoter went up to him and said okay so who won this fight how do you score it and the judges said we have no idea what we're doing. We don't know how to score this. We don't know if it was Mike or if it's Nate. And the promoter heard Mike. So we went, cool. Oh, Gets in the ring, man. raises Mike's hand. I'm super depressed. I'm I'm downstairs. This was my first loss. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, I suck. <laughs> Fast forward a few years, several years probably. We're at some show together, and there's Mike and Josh and a whole bunch of that crew. And they're pointing at me and they're kind of snickering and laughing at me. So I walk over and I say, all right, guys, let me out on the joke. What's going on? Do you want to tell this part of the story? No, you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) They're laughing and they say, you remember that part of the fight where you hit Mike and then you pulled him back into the ring and you started fighting, arguing with the ref and then you hit him again. You kept on fighting. Yeah, that's a big part of the story. You knocked him out. Yep. He was asleep. <laughs> he was knocked, knocked out cold. And you pulled him back in and yelled at the ref and then hit him again, he woke up and you didn't notice, the referee didn't notice, you kept on fighting. It was the... F- so. It was hilarious. <laughs> you did lose. He got
1: hit. Mike got hit. Boom. Goes out. He's out cold on the mat. He's like this. And then <laughs> Nate starts yelling at the ref and then hits him again and he wakes him up and you see Mike's face go like this. It just starts like trying to drink. Rec- <laughs> it was hilarious. We're like, "Hey, whatever works works." But it was it was great. We had a good time. We we had some so many memories. Like people want to talk about what like when people say oh the what do they say the old days that that's like the old days that's in 98 i mean i know you were part of 90 what when the ufc started john but it's like it was 93
2: dude <laughs> go yeah. ahead you can talk about <laughs>
1: yeah but it's like for us like relatively we were relatively young at that time
2: 98 back there that's all right <laughs> you know it's the medieval times yeah <laughs> yeah
1: Oh, man, some good times, some good memories. I mean, I we had that good crew of guys. I had Trevor Prangley, had a couple of oh, other guys. Yeah, just good people. I mean,
0: Trevor, did you fight Trevor? No, Robert no. Fallis fought Trevor. <clears throat> yeah, that, was, that was, a was a crazy story in itself because war. Robert uh, became a, a great coach. His yeah. first fight was phenomenal. He beat somebody with, I think, 10, 12 fights and he was tapped him with an armbar. Yeah. His second fight, he didn't even show up. Robert immediately got choked out. His third fight, now he was training a lot with Randy and and Danny and they were going, okay, we're Greco-Roman guys. We're going to teach you Greco-Roman. You're going to grab this guy. You're going to dump him on his head. You're going to just mutilate this guy with your Greco-Roman. Like, yeah, hell yeah. So who am I fighting? No idea. Some guy out of South Africa (laughs) named Trevor Prangley, who happens to be South Africa's Greco-Roman champion. Yeah, his Olympic ultimate. monster. And Robert is just a beanpole. And Robert... Fought for the entire 15 minute first round, came back out for the five minute overtime. Phenomenal performance. Great. Plan. And on the and, and that was the night that I knocked out your guys' uh, teammate in like a minute or two. Yeah, i remember. On the was. drive home, Robert is he's just he's upset. He's despondent, he's depressed about his performance. And I look at him, I go, dude, I can't tell you how jealous I am right now of your performance. Yeah, was so yeah, bad. I got the W, you got the L, but you went 20 minutes with this monster mm-hmm. you gave it all you learned so much about yourself and that's to me what the sport was all about i I just fought some guy who was, just happened to show up at the show and yeah. weighed about the same as i did what an incredible performance yeah he um
1: that was his last fight huh he never fought after that again
0: correct yeah,
1: yeah. some they were but they both put each other in some leg lock positions and trevor's foot was fucked up for months after that and i think roberts was also oh, wow. they were talking about how his foot was jacked up as well for the longest time. i was just like man but yeah that was it, you are right he became a, a phenomenal coach and uh but that was i do recall that fight trevor's like man i saw that guy i'm gonna kick that guy's ass <laughs> <laughs> You saw, when you look at robert Falls, you're like oh i'm gonna walk right through that chest. guy yeah you, you think you're gonna walk right through the guy no yeah. No, yeah, no quitting, no oh man, no quitting. Uh, it was talented, very talented. All
2: right, well, hey, let's get into this. Uh, first, let's, I want to. No, first thing okay. I want to do. Okay. <laughs> Your greatest fight, what was
0: it? Oh, wow. So I've got two really that stand out. My, my favorite fight, just from a competition standpoint, would be me versus Tim Crater, okay. where he beats the hell out of me for the first round, drops me, throws on a rear naked choke, I fight my way out, get back to standing after the bell rings, I'm walking back to the corner and I'm just thinking, Oh my God, this was not the game plan at all. This just sucks. And, uh, what, what no one really knew. And I always want to preface everything with, however the fight goes, win or lose the ultimate, uh, onus is on me mm-hmm. as the competitor, nothing yeah. else matters because it's, it's, you fight that person on, on that, that day. Well, that day I had uh, my left nerve, my nerve in my left leg was strained. I couldn't put any weight on my left leg. So I I have this really bad sciatica that flares up from time to time. And so the whole week when I had to go do UFC stuff, I'd take a deep breath, I'd walk into the room, I'd lean on my right leg, I'd sit down as quickly as I could. I'd get out of the room and I'd lay down. It was brutal. So my game plan against him was a lot of movement in and out because, as usual, he's got four inches on me, reach on me, all that stuff. I got no movement. And he slaps that choke on. And I'm thinking I just lost to Damian Maya with the rear naked choke. I'm like, God damn, if I lose twice to the same thing in a row, that is bullshit. Oh, You had Jason McDonald in between, didn't you?
2: Did I? I think you, you did. You could you,
0: be right. I think you did. You because think-
2: you beat Jason McDonald, I remember that.
0: That's right. You are right. Thank you. Yeah. So the second round starts and I go out there and my head just looks like a speed bag. He's just unanswered, 10, 15 shots. But he stood in front of me. And I landed that big right hand and dropped him. And he jumped back up. Then we're rock'em sock'em robots. Dropped him again. Third round, exactly the same thing. My head's a speed bag. Drop him, drop him, drop him. It was, to me, it was one of my best fights because at the end of it, even though he technically was the loser, it was such a phenomenal performance for both of us. I felt that, oh my God, that was an incredible fight. But my, my most important fight, and this is always kind of crazy for me to think of, because if I look at my life, there are a few days where I could say perhaps this one day was the most important day of my life. And that was my rematch against Pete Sell. Mm -hmm. So I had taken a fight against Rich Franklin, got the shit kicked out of me, a highlight real knockout. Three months later, my back is so messed up. I can't even pick up my five-year-old little girl. I get told I need to have the spinal fusion back surgery that no one has ever had. No one knows anything about. I'm having guys like Pat Miletic tell me, if you get this surgery, you're going to be crippled for life. Just Mm -hmm. deal with the pain. I'm going, I'm already crippled. I've got to do something different. So I opt to get this surgery. Randy leaves Team Quest. Now it's ran by Matt Linland. The whole dynamic there changes at the gym. People are upset about things, and I'm not the guy to to say things behind people's backs. So I go talk with them. And it turns out that it, it couldn't be worked out. So I end up leaving Team Quest. My baby mama sees me on TV, thinks I'm wealthy now. So I have to go through this whole custody <laughs> battle.
1: Jeez.
0: And you- I I, I call up the UFC after my surgery, after my rehab, I'm I'm getting back into shape. And I, I call Joe and I say, all right, no one thought it was possible. I had this spinal fusion surgery. I'm, I'm ready to step back in the ring again. I want to fight Caleb Starnes. I think that'll be a good matchup. He just beat Chris Lieben. Let's line that up. And Joe says, yeah, that'd be a great fight. I'm going to give him a call. Joe calls me back. Caleb says uh, he won't fight you because you're not worthy that you just lost your last fight and he won his. So you need to get some more wins under your belt. We want you to fight Pete Sell. And I went, cool. Well, that's gonna be a tough fight. Pete's a very tough guy. He's gonna be mad that I beat him quickly the first time Mm -hmm. on a controversial call. He's been training with Matt Serra the past two years. I've been in a hospital and recovering. I've lost my team. All right, I'll fight Pete. I'll beat him. And after that, I'm gonna fight Caleb Starnes and I'm gonna end his fucking career.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and well and that, so that, the
0: Caleb Starnes fight
2: kinda turned into one that uh is known to this day. So
0: <laughs> So I show up and, and that week I was just the stress of fighting. So I didn't grow up competing as a kid. And so I had to learn how to kind of develop that mental strength. And Randy competed a completely different way. He would step into the ring. So happy to be there and show his skills. I'd step in the ring going, I'm fighting for fucking food money. Yeah. If I don't win this fight, we lose the house. My daughter isn't going to go to college. I got to win this fight. And I, I had to come to terms with that's how I perform at my best, as shitty as it is. So I step into the ring, all this ring rusts on me, and Pete just beats the hell out of me for two rounds. And he hits me, he hits me with a big right hand in the second and drops me. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, keep the referee off me. If they stop this now, all this work was for nothing. No, no, no. And I stand back up and I I nod at Pete. And later on in that round, he hits me with a Superman punch and hits me right square in the head. And it was like, all of a sudden this moment of clarity where I just went, yeah, this is how this is supposed to be everything that i've gone through to get me here to this day to this night for this 15 minutes this is supposed to be how it goes enough of that shit. so as i'm coming out for the third round i looked across the ring and they had forgotten to towel him down so he's just covered in blood mostly mine (laughs) and i just looked at him and i said all right this is it i have to finish you if i don't finish you now this was all for nothing and i went across the ring and i hit him as hard as i possibly could and dropped him and and fortunately won the fight. I was fighting for 10,000 to show, 10,000 to win. I'd been living on my credit card for the past year, so I had $25,000 in credit card debt. (laughs) We won the fight of the night bonus, I won the knockout of the night bonus, so I cleared 50 grand for the fight, which meant that I could pay the credit card, I could put food back in the refrigerator. I mean, it was so bad when, so I go to the bank with these checks, and I'm just like, thank God. And I I put them in and they look at me and go, okay, cool. So we put a hold on these for six weeks. Here's a (laughs) hundred dollars. And I'm not an overly religious person, but I walk outside and I just go, I get it. Okay. I won't forget the struggle. Yeah. (laughs) And by the time I get home to Portland, my truck had been parked in long-term parking. The gas tank, the the fill light is, is shining. The tire is down to the threads. I'm running on fix a flat, a spare, and one tire always goes flat when I travel so to fill up my tank and get out of parking, I was back down to nothing. Oh, and I hadn't seen my daughter in a week. So I drive down to Salem an hour from Portland, pick up my daughter. And I'm like, well, let's go to a, a restaurant that a buddy of mine owns and we'll see what happens. <sighs> so we show up and my buddy is like, brother, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Dinner's on me. Yeah, <laughs> baby. God's <laughs> back. You have no idea how much that means to me because over and over again, I can, I can write down all the struggles, all the hardships that I've gone through, but over and over again, there's been some kindness, somebody that showed up at just the right time to help me out, to help my family out. And to this day, it just, it means the world to me. So yeah, that was it. Those two, you, you
2: did one thing and it was, I, I obviously it's not on your record and it was a fight that you took with, with a gentleman that had down syndrome. And you did a uh, a great thing, and I just want to tell you, man, I love the fact uh, that you actually allowed that man to have his day, you allowed him to uh to perform to, to be in something that no one would have ever have let him be part of, and you did it perfectly and I just want to tell you I loved when you did that it was outstanding.
0: Well, thank you very much for that to me um... <clears throat> uh it uh, it honestly doesn't seem like that big of a deal because to me it's just the right thing to help somebody and the way that i was raised excuse me it, it was a very restrictive religious upbringing where i was not allowed to participate in any sports it was dictated to me what movies i could watch what music i could listen to what friends i could have even what relatives i could associate with and i found my freedom in my early 20s when i left that cult and I found MMA that really kind of saved my soul and put me on a, on a on a more constructive path. And so when I heard about this young man, Jacob Beckman, being, being told, no, we're sorry, that's not for you. You can't do that. It's like, well, wh- who are you to tell him what he can and can't do? This is his dream. He's been training his ass off now for, for years. So I showed up at his gym. I met with his mother, made sure we were all on the same page and, and let her know. Priority number one is taking care of your son. That, that is the most important thing. Priority number two, making sure he has a good experience. My safety and all that nonsense, that, that'll work itself out. So going into the ring, I knew I could play this one of two ways. I could move around, make it look, a, I put on a little bit of a show, or I could get in there and we could throw down. And I think it was the Portland newspaper that ran a picture of Jacob landing a right hand right to my jaw and it looks almost dislocated and he came out for the second round to on those bombs shot the takedown locked up on an ankle lock and i had to tap and for me it was just if i get the opportunity not just to give jacob his opportunity to live his dream but to to show his mother as well to let the parent know we feel you and i want to see you live through your son at least one day that to me was worthwhile because i can't imagine that struggle
1: Yeah, see, I would have knocked him out.
2: No, just I'm kidding, Nate. I tried, man. It was Nate, so you know, he would. Nah. He would have gone in there. He would have he would (laughs) have said one thing. The guy would have hit him with a shot and Josh would have gone, oh no.
1: Oh no. (laughs) If it was Big John, like if it was an old person, I would have done it. But a kid, nah, I wouldn't have done it. Old person all day long. They've lived long enough. They don't what else they gotta
2: look forward to? Nah. Uh, Diego oh. <laughs> Diego Sanchez went and did that after you did it. he did it also and it was a I great thing awesome. and, and man I was so proud of both of you and the way that you handled that and made that look really good and make that man feel good about himself I just loved it and that's what MMA is all about I just want you to know from someone who was there at the beginning that wanted people to understand the quality of the individuals involved with it you made it look good thank you
0: oh thank you I appreciate that sir
2: all right, well, let's uh let's let's jump into this.
1: First, let's talk about let's talk about this class action lawsuit. Tell me what your take on it is in terms of what it means if the UFC was to win or if the UFC was to win or lose this case.
0: I, I can't tell you how excited I am, how excited the plaintiffs in the case are, and how excited really you guys have to be over at Bellator because this is huge for the sport of MMA for the judges say that yes our suit has merit and that we can continue our lawsuit as a class action because he, he's essentially at this point obviously no verdict we're six years in now but he's essentially saying your case has merit we do believe that the ufc has monopolized the sport they monopoly monopolized the sport they've artificially held down these wages they put in these never-ending long-term contracts you know if you if you're gonna fight for a title your contract never ends. You never get to test the free market and see what capitalism is really about. And for for another promotion like Bellator to see this to where they'll be able to jump into the mix. Because my question is always, who's the best in the world? <clears throat> who's the best heavyweight? Who's the best middleweight? And you can say, oh, the UFC guy is. Or, or, or well, do we really know that? Because they never get in there and cross promote. We never get to see who the best is. And with the the lawsuit coming to fruition and then putting in the Ali Expansion Act as well that will give MMA fighters the same protection as boxers. So we get the UFC light heavyweight champion and we get the Bellator light heavyweight champion. And now he's the number one contender. They get to meet. And then the UFC and Bellator, they get to cross promote. They they get to do just like in boxing where they're going to work together. Everybody's going to get their piece of the pie. And if a deal can't be made, then it hits the open market. Then you get guys like Mark Cuban coming in and saying, well, no, I want to see who's the best in the world. I'm going to put on this fight. And then you see the salaries start to go up for the fighters because for the first time, it's really capitalism. It's really the free market and dictating the price. And that's what sports is really all about. And in MMA, especially in the UFC, you have champions, you have guys that win the belt, but in reality, and it's in the contracts it's ceremonial. It's who's the best at at that night. And it never goes outside of the league to find out who the best is. And that really needs to change. And I always think about the best fight that never happened, Couture and and Fedor. You had Mark Cuban come in and say, I want to see who's the best in the world. I want to see these two guys fight. And UFC said, Cool. So Fedor, go ahead and sign with us and sign over all your rights and likenesses and we'll have you as long as we want to. And Fedor said, no, I'm not going to do that. And Randy said, well, I'm going to retire from MMA, from the UFC. I'm going to go do my thing. And UFC said, yeah, no, we're not going to let that happen. You don't get to go to someplace else at, at your rank and your status and fight somebody else. You're with us. And I always think if Mark Cuban, one of the richest people alive, can't make one of the most wanted fights ever happen, what hope does any other promoter have? So what this is really going to do is just open up the world to every promoter out there that wants to, to throw into the ring and, and see what they want to do. And then you'll even see some of the fighters coming in, becoming their own promoters, like De La Hoya. What's to stop Connor McGregor? He just made $100 million in boxing as an and O boxer, thanks to the Ali Act. What's to prevent him from putting on some fights? The Connor McGregor Show. And he outbids the other promotions because right now... The UFC keeps so roughly 85% of the gross about 15% goes down to the fighters and boxing it's the opposite where the boxers get 85%. Again because of the free market and people coming in to bid. So connor comes in and says, "Oh, you're only getting 15%? I'll give you 20. I'll give you 25." And the numbers start to get to a point where the free market really reigns and we get to decide what's what. And that's what's really going to change the sport. <clears throat> I mean, I'm so, I feel so incredibly fortunate to be where I'm at with my life. I, I've told this story a lot of times when when I was 30 and I was working in construction, I just I just felt like I don't wanna do this anymore. I wanna take, take my shot at chasing down my dreams, at least see what's gonna happen. If I fail horribly, so be it. And later on in that year, my father passed away at 62. And I went with him to pick up his last paycheck and he was dead three weeks later. And I fought the day after his death. And now here I am at 48. I fought in front of millions of people. I fought for the UFC world title. As somebody who started training at 24, I feel just incredibly fortunate to be where I'm at today. But when I look at the sport as a whole, I say, well, how can I help make this better for the next generation? I have a son, he just turned one. What if he wants to become a fighter? Is he going to move into a monopoly where they control everything about him? You don't have a say? You remember when the UFC decided all of a sudden because the fans wanted it that the, the main events were no longer three rounds, they were five rounds. Mm-hmm. That's because what the fans want. And we're sitting there in the crowd going, wait a minute, so our fight camp is no longer about a 15-minute fight. It's about a 25-minute fight. Are, are we getting paid two-thirds more? Are we getting? Do we have any say in this whatsoever? no. And uh, you can't go anywhere else because we own you. And so that's how it is. And then it came down with the sponsorships as well. When Reebok came in, it was like, hey, we're doing this for the betterment of the sport. You don't have to worry about sponsors anymore. And I'm I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, in my last fight, I made around 45 grand in sponsors. And according to the Reebok deal, I'd be getting paid 5,000. And that's what's best for the sport. That's what's best for me. I, I don't get a say in this because you have me locked up and I can't go anywhere. It's it's really time for the fighters to have a say in, and direct their careers. And for the fans, they get to see who the best fighter is. I know Bellator's got somebody, I, I wrote his name down so I didn't forget AJ McKee, 17 and 0, just a total badass. Yeah, How is. would he compete? Up Yar- Yaroslav
1: Amosov is 25 and 0 in Bellator. No, he's not. That's 26.
2: 26. <laughs> 20, I want to is he 26 or 27 he's, or no now? I
1: think he's 26. He was 25 okay, and 0 last time.
2: 20, 26 and 0. Yeah.
1: So Nate, look, you bring up look, I'm not, I'm I understand where you're coming from. We kind of come up through the same type of uh time frame. I understand what you're where you're coming from. I you make valid points on a lot of things. The one argument could be made though is that when we came up there there really was no other promotion. There was the UFC. So there wasn't a lot of options. There is plenty of options for fighters to go now. Now, your argument is is that they want to start that they can't go anywhere. Well, unless you're the champion, which I'm okay, which I understand what you're talking about when it comes down to being the champion. They can't go and, and, and make as much money as they possibly can. But, but let's be honest, Conor, John Jones, if they were to go to another promotion, they would bankrupt those promotions for what they get paid in the UFC. That's just the truth. That's one. And then two is those other fighters underneath them that are not champions, they can leave whenever they want. They just choose to bank on themselves. They can go to Bellator anytime they want. They can go to one anytime they want. I'm going to give you a classic example. The number one guy who's the classic example who went from promotion to promotion and made the most money, Eddie Alvarez. That guy's banking left and right because he chose... I don't want to go to the UFC because they're not paying me as much as Bellator was paying him or Elite XC was paying him or Bodog was paying him. He's the guy that is a classic example of he bounce from place to place to place. It wasn't that he couldn't become champion because he was pretty much champion in all of those organizations. He went wherever the money was. Pride, dream, all of them. He went. He went where the money was versus where everyone else goes were the, the three letters. They only care about UFC. And that's because that's a fighter. They want to feel like that they can get it done, when in reality, 99.99.99% of them cannot get it done.
2: A lot of nines. Yes,
1: it is. And I was trying to get to that point. (laughs) The bottom line is is that, look, the fighters have control, except I agree with you on the champions thing. I'm all for cross promotion. I'm all for the highest bidder on the champion status. But if you are not the champion, you can leave anytime you want. Okay, you just got to fight out your contract and leave. That's no different than an NBA player saying, hey, I have two more years left on my contract. I, wanna, I want more pay or I want to go to a different team. It's no different. You got to f- play your years. And so when I'm talking to you, I understand exactly. There's a lot of things, of course, I would love. The Reebok deal is a shit deal. The sponsorship thing was a shit deal. That was one of the reasons why I left the UFC was to go to Bellator's because I knew that I could get my sponsors. So all of those things being considered, but fighters underneath the titles they can leave whenever they want
2: so that's uh, going to be okay, that's going to be it, the it, argument hold it, hold it you're saying they can leave whenever they want they can't leave they can when leave when whenever they, finish they, their they can contract. leave at the end of their contract yes. okay
1: well that's the whole point that, that's what i'm saying like so but look you signed yourself into that deal you knew what you were getting yourself into and it's okay said, all right so ahead. but
2: let me ask you this as far as the way it goes with it do you josh think it's fair that a promoter can sign you to a contract, <laughs> sign you to a four fight, a six fight, and eight fight contract, yeah. and after one, two fights, say, Ah, I don't like the way you're performing, and cut you and have no responsibility or no uh no legal form saying that they have to pay you. They can cut you straight away, where in return, you can't just walk away from them. Okay. Um the, does doesn't doesn't the NFL do that now?
0: yes the nfl is close to that no they do that if you don't perform
1: they can cut you Le'Veon bell was cut and released and went to the chiefs he had a huge deal they let him go yes but they
2: also but they also on a lot of their contracts have it where they they do owe them not the entire contract but they'll owe them a percentage of the contract sometimes in the in in the ufc in the world of mma in bellator any of them that does not exist. The NFL does not. They give you the. They don't give you guaranteed
1: money. That's the biggest knock on the NFL is there is no, no they guaranteed give you money. bonus money. S- they give you what? Signing bonus. Not money. always. Not always. Well, uh, not. If you're a big not, star like not, Le'Veon Bell. You not. Do. Not all fighters get I that. I guarantee
2: you, Le'Veon Bell got it. But, but he not. Signed that but contract. not all fighters get that.
1: And some fighters yeah, that's do. the Whole point. But hey, I've gotten plenty of signing bonuses. That's my, my argument is that look you can't say like because the top guys get signing bonuses and the lower guys don't that's just how that's how that market works. if you're not performing, okay, then they have the right to release you and I'm all for that. I, I feel like hey if you don't want to be there then fight out your fights and leave it's if we're comparing it as if like it's another organization they can leave after they fight out their fights no different than a player who wants to go to a different team. Now the players now are throwing tantrums. Okay, and then they finally get traded because they're, just, they're disrupted to a team because it's a team sport. This is not a team sport, so the UFC can just put you on the, the sideline until you're ready to fight. But go out there, like we've talked about, John, forever. Winning solves everything. Go out there and win yeah. your last couple fights. You can also <laughs> refuse a title fight, but if you're in that title talk conversation, that's the problem with fighters in the UFC. Their argument is, no, I want to take a chance and try to get to that title. That's just them. I'm not trying to say they're being greedy, but they're banking on themselves and a lot of fighters will do that. I am putting my I am putting my belief in myself to become champion and make that championship money. That's nobody else's fault. They fell in love with the idea of the the three letters, UFC. That's why. Like they have there's look, Bellator pays more money than the UFC Strike Force paid more money than the UFC. I never went because I made more money in Strike Force. I made more I fought three fights from 2002 to 2004 for the UFC. The EZ Edwards fight should have been for the title. We were the last lightweight fight there. All three of my fights, I went and fought in pride one time. I made more money for that one fight than I did all three of those fights. And I told myself from that day on, I'm not going back there unless the money's good. I never went back until the buy of strike Strikeforce. As a fighter, are you in it? for publicity are you in it because you want to meet somebody on an airplane and say yeah i fight in the ufc because that's what people recognize that's an ego thing you got to do what's best for you you have to do what's what's best for you is to make money and sure don't get me wrong being in the ufc sometimes will make you more money when you're winning spots some sponsorships will come in from the outside that you can't rep now in there but my point is is that these fighters all have the opportunity and the chance to leave when they want, except for the champions, which I think is also a good thing that you guys are trying to get through. Like I said, I agree with you on a lot of things, but the overall principle of this, that they have monopolized the sport, no. Fighters choose to put themselves in that situation. You know how many times I've seen, I have a friend of mine, J.J. Ambrose, used to fight for Bellator. He asked for his release. He told me this. I, he asked for his release from Bellator because he wanted to try to get into the UFC. That's, but you weren't going to make more money when I was this, when I was the, I wasn't even the champion yet in strike force and I was making more money than Sean Shirk as the UFC champion. Now everyone's like, yeah, but they were getting backroom deals. They were getting backroom checks. Okay, cool. What happens if you didn't get one? Which Sean okay. very rarely got, by the way, Sean Shirk very rarely got backroom checks, you know? And so I, I can't bank my livelihood off of those backroom checks like a lot of people were trying to do. And they were trying to justify the fact that they can make that money at those backroom, those backroom checks. That's not how I worked. Not just me. Look at guys like Eddie Alvarez. There's other guys as well that are just escaping my mind right now. But they've chose to leave and go other places and they've made more money or they've had a happier career. And so when your your argument is, I agree with a lot of the things that you're saying, but the overall principle of it all is is that you're saying that fighters are stuck there and they can't leave. That's not true. Fighters chose to put themselves in that contract and they chose to, to stay there. There's times where fighters could have or signed with somewhere else in the middle of their contract. Even for more money, they've decided to stay with the UFC. So what does that well, say? I, that's
0: an argument. I, a- I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying that yeah, a lot of the fighters, they get, they get blinded by that UFC, those three letters. And I know a guy. <clears throat> who's been offered a bellator contract and he's going no man i'm, I'm holding out for the ufc and we're like buddy you're getting older it's yeah. it's time for you to, to to just go where you can but that conversation really doesn't have anything to do with the monopolization of the sport as well because if you look at our case and what the judge has agreed with us on is that the ufc in a bad year makes 94% of every MMA dollar spent around the world. Mm-hmm. And they have 95 98% of the top fighters. If you go to an independent rankings and look at the top 10 fighters of every single weight class, if the UFC is in all 10, it's nine or eight but they've got it all but would that be on the
1: media though that's not (laughs) so much
0: that's the media we
1: can't stay i can't state court Uh, cases against against the ufc based on the media that's the problem i'm not
0: not sure what you mean by the media Well, talking about the rankings
1: yeah the media is the one that comes up with their own (laughs) rankings the ufc doesn't tell them to put that in there maybe they do but i'm simply saying like the media has should have control of their own rankings and now if they choose to listen to the ufc and put them there that's not on the ufc
0: But no, that has nothing to do with my point. My point being is that the UFC has most of the badass talent wrapped up.
1: Because the fighters choose to be there because of the three letters. That's my argument. My argument is that you're saying, yeah, they do have
0: 90. And and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. But it doesn't mean it's not a monopoly. It's, it's very similar to the Screen Actors Guild. If if the best director, Martin Scorsese, put out a Craigslist ad and said, hey, I'm going to shoot this movie, but I'm not going to pay anybody. You'd have actors lined up around the block to be in a Scorsese movie. So the Screen Actors Guild came along and said, we need to protect ourselves from ourselves. We need to set bare minimums to do these things. It is the same thing with other sports, with the NFL, with the Players Association. You'd have guys that would be like, oh, yeah, I'll play in the NFL. I don't care about any of that stuff. We need to protect ourselves from ourselves. And it's the advice I always give every fighter. And this, I think, speaks a lot to your point. Because they're like, hey, what can you give me? I'm up and coming. Should I train in this or should I train in that? I always say the same thing. Treat it like a business. If you don't, you will be left broke and broken at the end of your career. Because everyone around you is. The promoter wants to make as much money as they possibly can. Your coach who loves you, wants to see you succeed. He has bills. You have to treat it like a business. And to a lot of these fighters that get blinded by the UFC, those three letters. I agree with you. The Eddie Alvarez's, though, they are very few and far between. We see Bellator just got really excited about signing Yo Romero. He lost four out of his last five. Why not when he was a top contender? And we've also seen common knowledge but also things that we've seen in private emails through our discovery when there's a fighter who's talking about leaving and we see the email that says tack on a few more months onto their their contract well how do i do that find a reason yeah offer him some fight with five minutes notice and when he doesn't take it we can say he's in breach of contract we see these types of We just talked about the Yair yeah,
1: Rodriguez situation going on right now with the uh, USADA ban or giving him a suspension. I said, they're not going to let him go during his suspension and they're going to wait six more months because he's on a six month <laughs> suspension. They'll tack that next six months on. And then after that, they may cut him or they're going to do what you just said give him a, a uh-huh. last minute fight. If you don't take it, then okay, we'll extend it on to you. They're going to hold him up and lie him up. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I get and- what you're saying. That's yeah. not a monopoly, it, though. The, these fighters can leave well, in their it is. prime.
0: Well, these, That's are a the monopoly thing. because the monopoly doesn't have to do when someone comes or goes. It comes to, to do with market share. And what the UFC is able to do, they get to dictate the market prices because they make so much of the every dollar spent around the world. It's just like with, with Facebook right now. It's being sued by 48 states and the federal government. Well, Why? I could start my own social media company. I have internet. I have a computer, so why can't I do that? Oh, because they have such a massive market share, I would be nothing. Oh, so because well, you probably don't know US how to suit. code. <laughs> I can hire I'm to do that just though. kidding, man. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> I don't know how to code. So what the hell? <laughs> it, it really comes down to their ability to dictate the market and the the massive amount of fighters that they have, uh, the the massive amount of dollars that they make from it. And whether or not fighters continue to buy into that and i agree 100 percent with you as i just said these fighters have to treat it like a business too many of them they look at it as just joe joe silva told me one time i wish i could run a tournament for every fight because everyone thinks they can win and you don't have to pay them shit." that's the promoter mindset right there and that's the fighter's mindset right there we have to change that and unfortunately it's not gonna happen too easily. And a promoter's not gonna say, you know what, I'm worth a few billion dollars now. I'm good. It's time to really take care of these guys. And that's what happened in boxing with the Ali Act. You had to get it to where a promoter can no longer also be a manager, yeah. where a promoter cannot control the rankings of who gets a title fight. A promoter cannot be promoting both sides of a title fight. They can't be managing both sides because you get this corruption. And we've seen it over and over again with guys offered the title shot and they're told okay, you're going to sign away this, you're going to sign away that, here's your never-ending contract, and they go, well, no, I'm going to step back to the table, I'm going to renegotiate this, and they just go, cool, so you don't get a title shot. And I think John Fitch is the best example of all of this. The number one contender for six years, he gets one title fight. And the UFC, if you remember when when they sent out the, you need to sign over your your likeness rights to everybody, John Fitch, he didn't refuse the sign he had questions he said hey i am confused about this in perpetuity and our kids don't get anything and the ufc said cool we're cutting you and we're cutting your entire team unless you you bend the knee and do what we tell you to do and at the time you talk about fighters choosing their careers the fighters that uh, got sucked in from pride strike force wec affliction they didn't get to choose now all of a sudden they're working for the ufc And they have their way of doing things in their contract. And for the biggest time, and even now, obviously, the UFC is the big dog throughout the world. You have the Bellators coming up and doing their thing around. They have some legit fighters. But the UFC worldwide is the brand of MMA. They're the ones that control everything as far as it goes. And the easiest way, the best way to get this to to change is through our class action lawsuit where we're not just – asking for relief or yes we believe our wages have been suppressed That in a free market we should have gotten more but that's not just what we're after we want them to change their restrictive contracts and then when the ollie expansion act comes into play that's when it's really going to open up and i personally i have nothing against ufc i have nothing against dana white dana white helped me when that back surgery i was talking about i went to him i said man i'm broken i, I need some help He helped me find the surgeon and get the surgery. The UFC paid for my surgery that got me back in. I'm happy for Dana's success. I'm I'm proud to have been a part of the organization. I'm I'm happy for that. But now I want it to be passed on through the Ali Expansion Act, through the the class action lawsuit. So the next fighters coming up are going to be looking at literally life-changing money that's going to set up their family and set up their kids. If you look at the NFL, they kind of treat it like, yeah i'm blowing out my knees and my shoulders i'm taking all this damage but that's why i'm paid so much the worst player in the nfl makes what half a million dollars a year to ride the bench and it just goes up from there because they have a players association because they have the free market where they can bid on them in between the teams that's not going to happen in mma until bellator can bid on a fighter that the ufc wants to keep that's when things are going to start changing. And even if it was just, if every fighter besides the champion was able to just go whenever they wanted to, that's enough to change the game. Because once those champions, if you don't sign away those rights and those likenesses, and you, first off, you never get a title fight, your last fight on your contract. You have to re-sign to get that title fight. And if you win, they tack on another one. It's the never-ending champion's clause. And those things are illegal in boxing. And you'll see Dana White usually once a year come out and say, hey, I'm going to get involved in boxing. This is going to be great. I love this sport. And then two weeks later, right. boxing is so broken. <laughs> I can't even step in there and fix this. Well, what he means is the Ali Act means that he can't keep 85% of the money that other people are going to come in and bid for those fights. And he has to be in a competitive wage market. This is purely about capitalism from my perspective. And when we look at If you wanna get into the Ali Act, it was passed with, I think it was 16 signers, uh, more Democrats than Republicans. Four years ago when we were heading back to DC with Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen, who was signed with the UFC for for a time being. So he knows the world of MMA. We had 58 signers on our bill. We were ready to go to the floor for a vote. We had more Republicans signing than Democrats. And then there was a change in residency at the White House. And President Trump came in, and he's a big big supporter by uh, Dana White. And we've seen Donald Trump at the fights throughout the years. We saw Dana going to the White House. All of a sudden, our bill died in committee, never to be heard from again. So once we get this change of administration, we're going to be back in D.C. We're going to be pushing the OLLI Expansion Act. And like I said at the beginning, how exciting is this for Bellator? and all the other organizations, and everybody that wants to be a promoter because they get to jump into the fray and bid on these fights. Yeah, you'll see.
2: Nate, Nate, I I have two questions for you on this, okay? First off, we'll talk a little bit about the ALIAC because part of what you were talking, the ALIAC came about as far as the management and the promotion because of Don King and Mike Tyson. Yeah. Okay, that's where that came. But I want you to think, in MMA, grassroots MMA, many promoters manage fighters because they actually start promotions because they need to get their guys fights. You have guys like Monty Cox who came up with extreme challenge and talking about fighting Mike Whitehead, the guy that he managed and everything you had all of those times and all of those fighters that he would manage and he would get fights in his own promotion and then let them go to the UFC. So that's kind of been the history of MMA with grassroots MMA. Promotion, promotion, and management. The UFC does not manage any fighters.
0: Zero. Well, and I have I have a story about Monty Cox because I fought in Monty Cox's show against Monty Cox's fighter with Monty Cox's referee. And they did everything <laughs> that they could to make sure I did not beat Drew McFedries. At one point, I had Drew's back. He was at quarters. My ankles were underneath the ropes. And the referee stood us back up because they knew that was Drew's best shot. Uh, it, it, the way that sports go, it's supposed to be the last bastion of fairness. And if you have a promoter with an invested interest in a fighter, he's going to be paying that fighter more money than the opponent i remember uh dana saying at one point he wanted to hire mike dolce to work with cyborg to get her down to weight so she could take on some fight and i sat here and i went are you kidding me the promoter is blatantly saying he's going to invest in one of the fighters on his card over the other fighter how immoral is that can you imagine that in the nfl if if goodell came out and he said. Hey, you know, we want uh, we want New York in the Super Bowl, so we're going to raise their salary cap by a couple million. But you understand, this is what's best for the sport, and that's what the fans want to see. <clears throat> that's not sports then. That's a show. That's pro wrestling. In an actual competition of sports, the cream rises to the top. So, yeah, a promoter also being a manager is illegal in boxing. They can have a manager working very closely with a promoter, Monty Cox could have been running that show, had his buddy there as manager, could have kept getting fights around Monty would have done just as well. Maybe he would have been the manager and had his buddy do the promoting the ways to work around it that aren't illegal and aren't immoral that still give people the fair shot.
2: All right. Let's talk about the what the class action lawsuit actually does by it being classified as a class action. Now it's not just the people that brought it forth even guys like Josh cuz we're going by a time period of fighters mm-hmm. and it's a little over 1200 fighters that could actually be brought into this class action lawsuit but class action lawsuits take a long time this is going to go on for years let's just be honest and there's going to come a point because if when it, as soon as it becomes class action now it, if it does go to court and the defendant loses they pay three times that's the standard for a class action lawsuit so if this is the amount of money that we've determined that they did not pay out they will pay at least three times that which is you know when you're looking it's going to be somewhere in the billions of dollars so there's going to come a point within all of this if this is not going well for the ufc which normally they've won every lawsuit every every court case that comes about they get it dismissed. So we'll say that they don't get it dismissed, but they end up coming and going, all right, we want to settle. So they could settle for millions of dollars giving the fighters you, Josh, other people that money that can be split evenly between you, but then there's also going to be what's called a a, a non-disclosure sign saying that no one can talk about it and nothing's going to change so who's the guy that's in charge of this to the point that you guys say we're never going to settle
0: uh boy has anyone said we would never settle no i didn't say you did but
2: my whole point is there's no way that you can settle and get the things that you want because in Uh, the end settling will end up being about money not about the
0: change of the sport? Well, not necessarily, because we could put into a settlement that uh, we don't want a a champion's clause anymore. Or maybe you just get two fights on the champion's clause or one fight, but you get to resign. You can put anything into a settlement that would change the sport. And again, I I always keep referring back to the Ali Expansion Act because that will change the sport. But really, if we were to settle with the UFC, you you can make that over anything and
2: you you got you got to look and say the ufc and and this is not me bashing on the ufc at all i you know if i'm part of the ufc i'm not going to settle for something that now i have to rewrite every contract i have why would i
0: why would i put that in a settlement that's true but if you can see the writing on the wall coming down with the ali expansion act much better to get ahead of it and I I won't kid you, there are a lot of guys out there that are are upset at the UFC, that are not happy with the way that they've been treated. You don't Uh, say. (laughs) From my perspective, I want the UFC to stay top dog in the world. And all it's going to mean is they have to competitively bid on all the fights. And their position such... To do so they could outbid everyone for yep. every single fight and and maintain on top and you'd see the pay of the fighters go through the roof but if it did come down to a settlement then we would have to decide on what we think is a reasonable amount of damages for the wrongdoing that we allege has happened throughout those years i do want to make a point though that our lawsuit due to the uh statute of limitations starts in december of 2010 goes or yeah, 2010 goes through 2017. My last fight was in the spring of 2010. I'm no longer in the lawsuit. The identity class was not granted certification, just the bout class, just the fighters. So maybe at some point I will get some compensation. I won't say that I won't. But when I originally sat down and thought about this, I asked two questions because a, a lesson I learned a long time ago. And when somebody in business told me, in every business deal you go through tell yourself their job is to make money your job is to not be stupid find out where they're making money so i sat down with the team of lawyers and i said cool so what's in it for you what's in it for me what's in it for everybody else and the lawyers you know, they deserve to be compensated for their time and they told me well you may get a portion of the class action suit as well if it gets that far but due to the statute of limitations, you may not even be in the bout class. We'll try to get the identity that might not fly. And so I sat there and I had to come to terms with why am I doing this? Am I doing this to get myself richer or am I doing this because I believe it's the right thing to do because I I think that it will change the sport for those fighting now, for those fighting during that time period that I think we're taking advantage of, but especially for the next generation of fighters i see john fitch's kids training all the time i see Kung's kids training all the time that for them that is a huge motivation more than just a paycheck right now is to know that when their kids get there they get a seat at the table and if a promoter comes in and lowballs them they get to say no i'm better than that i deserve more than that and i've got five other promotions lining up and when i do win the belt then I will truly get compensated and everyone will see my value.
1: Well, let me ask you this. (laughs) Have you thought about the repercussions of changing the sport so drastically that it's no longer the sport that we have grown up to love? The issue is, is that like, let's just say like with boxing, boxing is not something that people clamor to watch anymore unless you're Canelo like no one sits around and watches unless you're fucking logan paul now in mayweather right that's oh the kind of that's the kind of garbage did you actually bring that that's what i'm saying though but like <laughs> this is the kind of garbage that boxing has turned to like can sure canelo is great you know uh was fucking wonderful uh earl spence these guys but it, you have very Terrence few Crawford. yeah he's terence Crawford. you have very few people At the top, making money. Whereas the rest of them, these the rest of these athletes, 500, 600 people in the UFC, 300 people in Bellator, I don't even know how many people one has, and PFL has, but guess what? These are all people that are making a living, whether it's a a plush living, depending on where they live, but these are people making a living doing this. In boxing, that's no longer the case. Do you have the top upper people making money, and there's nobody else? And there's also, when you're talking about when we have a car, when we do shows... For Bellator, sometimes overseas, we'll have twenty-two fights on a card. That's forty-four fighters making money; that can feed their families. You go to a boxing match, there's like five. Like you, so why just, do you? Well, so you're. What I'm you saying Bellator
0: is, Bellator would no longer have twenty-two fights on the card. Well, if you're making
1: changes to what you're talking about, they're going to start bidding on the better fighters, right? That they want. So that means that's going to cut the lower guys of that card. What's the point of having all that excess fat on there? People that you know are not ready to be champions yet.
0: You're taking Dallas
1: and UFC fighters. They can cut those lower guys now because I need more money to bid on the better guys.
0: See, that's an argument I always have a problem with where if we tax the rich, the, the prices are just going to go up for everybody. Because somehow Jeff Bezos can't get by on less than $200 billion. The UFC can't get by. Cashing out at four billion dollars if they have to pay their guys a living wage so they don't have to have a second. But you job were just talking about capital, you were just UFC. talking about capitalism
1: a second ago when we started. Yeah. And it's their business is to make money. And so that's yes. the way they structure their business, it has nothing to do with whether we want to be involved in but enough.
0: it's also the fighter's job to make money as well, and that's where the free market is I, gonna dictate it. And if they come out, I and say, understand hey, that we're gonna pay these top guys this much and the bottom guys this much. You're gonna have guys showing up and saying, Hell yeah, I'll fight on a belt or But what I'm bucks, saying though is that you're gonna bucks. you're gonna
1: cut those bottom guys out completely because why was I why, disagree. why would I wanna have twenty two fights or forty four fighters and I have to pay an extra twenty of them for what? When I would rather have the battle between John Jones and whoever Nemkov, you know, whoever it is, I would rather see that fight and pay those guys a little bit more. That's what, that's what happened with boxing. That's what boxing has fallen into. That's why people don't watch when you watch it, when you pay for a pay-per-view for boxing, no one turns it on until eight o'clock or nine o'clock, whenever the main (laughs) event comes on, they don't care about the undercard guys. Yeah. They don't care about the undercard guys. And that's my point. My point is if they, if the fans don't care about the undercard guys, guess what? The promotion shouldn't either. And that's what's gonna that, that I'm I'm saying like you have to be prepared for what you're doing. And I look, I, I I agree. There's a lot of things that need to be worked out. I am not. I am. I'm actually all for the fighters making the most amount of money. But I'm not. I'm not for the fact that like we're gonna change the sport so much that the people that are on the lower part of the card are no longer gonna be involved in the sport whatsoever because those promotions now will take that excess money and they'd rather bid high. On the fighter, look. I when I was I was on Rogan's show, we had talked about this. I said, "Why don't we have the Olympics? Why why don't we just call it like almost like the Olympics? Why why can't we have once a year have cross promotion with everyone? You see your guys fight our guys, and we see where where they're at." He's like, "Oh, because I would rather I, the UFC would rather have Conor McGregor and Khabib a hundred times because there's, that's going to make them more money than if we were to cross promote and potentially our guys lose." And I and I I honestly at the time I was like, you know what? he's, he's kind of right. Like the, the top guys will sell more pay-per-views than if we were to cross remote. But I said, if we took somebody from each country and was treated like the Olympics, you know, and I have someone say you have Wei Li Zhang fighting, you know, somebody from the U.S., you know, from Bellator, you're cross-remoting. Now you're, inter- now you're bringing in fighters from all different countries. So it gets people to actually tune in and watch. You know what I mean? That's the only way you're going to start to break those pay-per-view numbers. But to go back to what we're saying, like if you're going to do, if you're going to implement the the act and then you're going to start to make changes to the sport so much that promotions are now like, hey, if this fighter is going to go to the highest bidder, well, guess what? All everybody on that bottom line, if you're not on the main card or even <coughs> up higher co-main event, you're going to get cut not cut so much as in terms of you're not going to have a promotion to fight for but we're going to use you few and far between and you'll probably barely you probably have to have a real day job a real job 9 to 5 if you want to be a fighter and that See, you're I'm, at that I'm, point where you're you're flirting with that
0: changing the dynamic of the sport itself i'm going to disagree with you there because and let's just throw out some numbers let's say a, a UFC pay for you made 100 million dollars 15 million dollars went to the entire card $85 million went to the UFC, to their investors, all that kind of stuff. No, hold on. Let's... I'm, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. So yeah. We can talk about expenses. Let's say the net. Okay. okay. Oh, but hypotheticals. Somebody is going to jump in at some point and go, you know, I'm okay making $60 million and paying the fighters $40 million. Shit, I'd even be okay making $50 million and paying the fighters $50 million. Getting 50-50. And that's where it comes back to the free market. And I, I guarantee you the guys, those that first guy at the night on the Bellator card of, of 22, he's not making very much money. And when no. the free market truly reigns and they start cross-promoting and they have a bigger guy uh, that's that's headlining that show, will he be making more money because it's a bigger card? Maybe. Will he be making less? Probably not because the market kind of dictates where it, where it's at right now. I, I don't think boxing is dead, I think it goes in waves. I oh, From my perspective, Major League Baseball is dead. I don't watch baseball, I don't hang out with people that watch baseball. I think a lot of it is the circle that you're in, your world is MMA. You're gonna be talking about that more, you're gonna know a lot more of the guys in it and, and those people that love boxing. It's a worldwide sport, it has huge paydays. It's, it's not going anywhere yeah, i'm I'm not saying it's
1: going anywhere, but I'm saying' I'm not, and I'm not saying it's dead. What I'm saying though, is that it has changed in terms of we are not boxing. is it, we we grew up with a sport of, say, five undercard fights and five main card fights. That's what we've grown up to. And I agree with you on the whole five round thing in the main event. Like I had reached out to bJ Penn when it first happened. I'm like, I was like, this is some bullshit. You guys are, get, you guys are not getting paid for that. He's like, yeah, you know, you, you know, he just was like, yeah, th- I understand. I get what you're saying. I mean, you guys aren't getting compensated to go an extra two rounds. That's life. That's, that's time off your career as well to train. Yeah, you're training. Exactly. I to, I've said this several times on the record about how I thought it was bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. I understand why they do it because it brings a little bit more excitement to it. But I said, you got to pick and choose when you do those things. If you're next in line for a title shot, I want to make sure you can go a hard five. Okay, because that, that means that you're ready to be the number one contender, and you can push into that. You can push in right into that title shot. You've already got one five round fight or training for a five round fight under your belt. That kind of makes makes sense for you. Um, my point is overall is that you are you prepared for the repercussions of changing the dynamic of the sport completely, and you're saying that possibly it won't, and you don't believe it will. But I'm telling you, as as a business model, it is to make money. And as a promotion like the UFC, whether it's Bellator, whether it's UFC, or whether it's ONE and PFL, their, their business model is to make money. And if I've got to cut those extra five five or six fighters <coughs> off the bottom of my roster, because those ones are not making me money, as much as I want to bid for that other fighter that's going to be on my main event, you're damn right I'm going to. And I'm just being 100% honest. You're, you're potentially changing the dynamic of the actual sport itself. And we grew up. In this sport and so i'm just simply saying are you guys prepared for that and i do think there needs to be some some switches some some things where there is some changes but the overall sport itself could potentially be hit pretty hard by this
2: yeah but hold on one one thing you're saying you're, you're you're changing the sport no it would be changing for the ufc for bellator for the pfl one one championship won't affect them at all they don't that's true they're not in this country and the laws here mean nothing there and any other promotion ryzen or ksw or any of them it doesn't mean a damn thing only four promotions here in north america yeah
0: well and to your point you, you make some good points would it potentially change the sport i don't think that it would but could it sure i I don't have a crystal ball but the things that would definitely be changed for the betterment of the fighters i think that's worth the risk of maybe those undercard fights won't get as much or won't have as many opportunities knowing that the guys that have put it in once they do get there they're definitely going to get paid they're going to have the cross promotional rights they're going to be able to test the free market they're going to have a say in their career To me, that's so much worth the struggle than saying, well, this might happen. Something here might change as opposed to, yeah, but all of this really good, awesome shit will happen.
1: Well, you're kind of doing the same thing though for the betterment of the fighters. Well, which fighters? The top fighters and that's it. You're not talking about the lower end fighters. So which that you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. You're putting it out there saying it could change the sport for the better. And it's not really. We don't know. You're only saying the well, top no, fighters.
0: What, no, what I keep going back to is just letting the free market decide. Let's say you're completely right. And now all of a sudden Bellator is not running 22 fights or only running 15. People are competing for could that Could be worse. Could be 10. And other people. Or maybe it's 30. why is it 22 now
1: okay so if they're getting a bigger if you're saying if if the promotion is paying a bigger share to the fighter they're going to put on more fights on one card let's be real come on let's
0: see what happens to bellator's income though doesn't scott coker generally take a smaller percentage in Bellator fights in the UFC Absolutely. I know he was known for that in Force. yeah so for him it doesn't seem like squeezing every single penny out for his shareholders well is the priority you
1: also have to understand it from a different perspective though in, with Strike Force and with Bellator and with one or not one but PFL they have to offer more money because they need a bigger market of the share they have to pay to get the better fighters to come that's the problem with them not being in the UFC's position so they need, they need to be able to offer more money to those fighters. That's how they get those fighters there. Because like I said, a lot of these other fighters will sit around and say, no, I want to try my luck with the UFC. In reality, they can make more money somewhere else. They just chose not to do it. So that the argument would be if you guys in your guys's case, when you guys get in the court, fighters are going to say, no, I wanted to be there. And that's the problem with the sport itself. And I've said this several times. I fought Clay Guida Strike Force. Kid you not sprawl they were paying me almost twenty thousand dollars just to wear the shorts guess what i was fighting clay guida they called me back like two weeks before the fight clay guida said that he'll fight he'll he'll we heal with all of our stuff as long as we make our banner for him and give him clothes that's how that's how that's how fighters work it's an individual sport they will undercut somebody else to get a little leg up so then they sprawled called me back and said hey will you take less i said absolutely not absolutely not and uh-huh. that's the point the point is is that fighters will step on their own dick despite somebody else and that can't that can't happen and the argument can be said is like they're doing it every day to themselves it's not the promotion doing it to them it's them doing it to themselves Look, you know how many fighters i know stay because like oh the, pers- the performance institute now is in vegas and i live in vegas i don't have to pay for a gym membership or i don't have to do this uh-huh. i can train there okay does that pay your fucking mortgage no,
2: no, but, no but it does feed them. Yeah, they get fed. Yes, they <laughs> pretty do. Cool. Okay, that is pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I, you, but you understand where I'm going with this. Is that you're going to have well, a hard well, you're, time. You're,
0: you're really just repeating what I said about the Screen Actors Guild. That that's what this is about. It's protecting fighters from themselves I'm not and putting with in these the, protections. I'm not
1: familiar with the Screen Actors Guild. Well, he's saying Talk the ex-
2: exact same thing. Actors given the opportunity mm-hmm. to work on certain projects or with certain people will basically do it for free. They'll cut out other people that would have gotten paid because they want that opportunity. They think yeah. that might be what's going to get them that next step also. And you you've got to protect your uh your assets. Sometimes from themselves. Yeah, all that does. And the get...
0: production companies back then would also force the actors into long term, no cut contracts. Yeah, that's Where just they gets... own them for their entire career. That so just that's gets when... them
1: on Weinstein's couch. That's all it does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore.
2: Yeah. Nate, Na- Na- let me it's ask so you black. this. You've, you've been doing yeah. this for, a, for quite a while. It's been years now, and it's probably going to be more, you know, some more. Where do you think, how much longer do you think it's going to go? And being, you know, as as much that it's gone on, how do you think it's going to play out?
0: Uh well, we just celebrated 6 years since we first started this. It could go on for another 10 or 15 because as you mentioned, the the damages that our expert is saying is that we were our wages were wrongfully suppressed by about 1.6 billion. Triple that, that's 4.8 billion. Yeah. If I'm Zufa, if I'm the UFC, I'm saying I'm not just going to write a check for that. I'm going to fight this to the I last can't. second. Or, or if it looks like it's not going to go our way, then we need to come to some kind of a settlement that will at least make everybody comfortable enough to walk away from the table. So could it play out for another 10 or 15 years if it went to trial? Sure. Odds of that happening, very, very low. Uh, most likely, it would probably settle. And the way things kind of go now is we, we got our class certification. So immediately, the UFC will appeal that. Uh, and then we'll go through all that rigmarole and all that kind of stuff. And perhaps at some time we'll sit down at the table and say, Hey, what's going to make everybody happy? What can we do to make sure that these fighters are compensated, that we feel comfortable, that the business is going to be running in a better way in the future to take care of the fighters. And we're in it for the long haul, however long that takes them to make that happen.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not look I I I know that I came across as like I'm against you. I'm not against you or what's going on. I'm not against I do agree that there is need there does need to be a lot of No, changes. man, you make
0: a you make a lot of good points and I I see exactly where you're coming from. Uh, from my perspective it's just like dude, it's it's time. Every sport has had to go through this. The NFL, the players used to have to take their jerseys home and wash them. The whole players association started because they went to the owners and said, "Hey, would you mind washing our jerseys?" And they said what the owners say all that every time, every sport, God, ah, you guys are so greedy. Nah. <laughs> we give you three months out of the year to play this game. Anybody would do this. Yeah. You want us to wash your jerseys? Are you kidding me? Kurt Flood in baseball, he stood up. He, he was the one that, that happened to make free agency work. People don't even think about any, any place of business you go into, there's a fire exit. There's a sign above the door. Owners didn't just decide. Hey, I'm worried about a fire happening here. I'm going to pay money for this. No, there was something called the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire 100 years ago, where over 100 women burned to death because this building had no fire exits. So they all went on strike and they got their rights to a safer working position. Every every single job, it used to be five-year-olds working in factories. We had to fight for every single worker's right. Every single sport had to fight for their piece of the pie. It, Sometimes there still against, is five-year-olds in ourselves. China working for Apple, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
2: know, you know, one of the things that you brought up earlier, like Randy Couture left, or tried to leave when he was the heavyweight champion of the UFC and tried to make a fight with Fedor outside of the UFC because that was where Fedor was. And they bled him dry, legally. Yep. Legally, the the cost of the lawyers got to the point where Randy couldn't survive. So, with your lawyers, you guys are you're not paying them. They're doing it on a per. Uh, can't even say what it is now. What is it? Per bona capital, you know, where they get a percentage. They get what thirty three and a third percent based upon it.
0: Oh, are you asking me? Yeah. I don't want to get into specifics about the lawyers because but what I said from the beginning, when I sat down with him, what was the first question I asked him? What's in it for you? Money. Because I knew. Yeah, exactly. But when I look out at our court, like when I was in Vegas for the last uh, hearing, I looked at the UFC lawyers and I looked at our lawyers. I've enjoyed having beers with our lawyers. And I've asked them, are, are there cases that you would not take? And they said, yeah, these are class action guys that, that they are proud of the work that they've done to change industries that they believe are unfair. Look at something as simple as like leaded gasoline. The guy that discovered leaded gasoline was poisonous, died of lead poisoning. And then that lead stayed in the gasoline for decades and decades and decades poisoning everyone throughout the world until finally we got laws passed to take lead out of the gas sometimes you have to have these these lawyers these people that will stand up to force people to do the right thing and i've got no problem with the lawyers taking a cut because they're putting in a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of money and and honestly i'm the world's worst liar so when i tell you i don't remember what their cut is it's a god honest truth it's less than a third is my recollection Uh, but it would seem like it was a very fair number to me that no, they need to be rewarded for their efforts because if we were to lose the court case, they're not sending me a bill. If that's the case, it's, it's just like they bet on us, they bet on our case and they're putting in their efforts and more than just like with us, if it comes down to a settlement, it's going to be. So what do we want monetarily? What do we want in the sport? How do we want to see this change? What was all this for? And it wasn't just for a payday, especially not for somebody like myself who isn't even a plaintiff anymore. Mm -hmm. It was, I want to see the sport change for the betterment for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, I just, when we were... I know I had posted the a short video clip from our last show. If you guys haven't watched our last show, go back and watch it. And we had talked about it. John and I had talked about this and there were some comments that I had made, but I want, I didn't want to get into a Twitter conversation, you know, <laughs> and that, cause nothing gets done. It becomes, it be, there's just, it's just, tw- I don't even know how many characters is it? 200 characters now or something. It's just not enough
0: to say exactly what you are 280 now. To. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Plus I'm on lockdown. I got a baby you know, here at the house. I got, I'm going nowhere.
2: Yeah. Oh, and, and, <laughs> if they, they, and if road. they don't like what you write, they'll just, Get rid of it for you, you know. And
1: so my, you know, so in having this conversation, it was much better to have you on for us to talk. Yeah, man. For you, for me to to express to you exactly how I feel in terms of look. I I agree. There does need to be some changes. There needs to be a lot of changes. But I also I also sometimes. (laughs) want to make sure that people understand that those changes come with consequences of changing the whole dynamic of the sport maybe for the better and maybe also for the worse and so those are those are some questions that need to be answered i think when whether you answered them or not or other people answer them but those are things that people should understand that are out there if this thing does go through now i did like how these are things that i i was not aware of until john had brought it up to you is that look if there is a settlement Will there be also some of those things that you guys try to get those in there? Or are you guys just going to take the money? That was another conversation. That's a whole other conversation of like, hey, are we just in this? Are you guys just in this for the money? Or is there, are we really going to still stick by this and really try to change the fact that the championship clause should be not another extension for three more fights because that's what it is now. If you fight every time you defend your title, it extends three fights. Are we going to get rid of that? Is it like, what are the things that you guys are willing to bend and not break on? you know, to make sure that that's part of the arrangement. I mean, those are those yeah. are all things that need to be talked about. And I'm
0: sure over time yeah, they'll I come agree. Out, but I agree a hundred percent. You made a lot of really good points here and I'm not going to discount any of them because you have such passion for the sport as well. I'm not going to look at you and you just go, well, you don't know what you're talking. Who am I to say that about you? You've been fighting as long, if not longer than I have. So of course you've been around the game. You've seen the promoters. You've seen good ones. You've seen bad ones. You've had good managers, bad managers, I'm sure. You have a lot of... of deliberate, very solid viewpoints that you bring to the game, things that I'm going to be thinking about because I don't want this to hurt the sport. I want the sport to do well. And as I said, I I don't want to see Dana White out panhandling as if that could ever be. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) He's done well for himself. I want him to continue doing well. I want the investors to continue doing well, but I want the fighters to be taken care of because I come from the working class. I came up in the fields, picking berries, cleaning Mm. toilets, doing Mm. construction, swinging a hammer. Man, I I know what it's like to put in all that hard work. And yet I still feel so incredibly lucky and fortunate to be where I am today because I was ready, because the opportunity came. And now to me, it just seems like this is the right thing to do, how I can continue to to play my part in the sport and hopefully change this for the betterment of of everyone involved.
2: Nate, have you thought back that you were actually part of what made Dana White Dana White, made him famous? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Go back, if you go back and you think about this, since you were part of the Ultimate Fighter 1, where they had, you know, they were paying for it, so they were deep in the red as far as, you know, promotion, but you guys were supposed to fight and not get paid. And it was Bobby Southworth who trains where, you know, Josh did at AKA who basically got together and said, hey, we're not fighting for free, and Dana came out, and they did that whole film thing of, do you want to be a fucking fighter?
0: So, (laughs) that day, so that day of filming, we're there, and Bobby is upset, of course, nobody told me he was going to fight, I showed up going, I assume I'm going to fight. I'm ready to fight. And I'm sick and tired of carrying Randy's fat ass through like me. So <laughs> I, I'd rather get punched in the face than have to go through uh, that humiliation again. Carrying
2: him on a lounge chair. <laughs> uh,
0: my team was so excited to be able to, to step into the ring and prove why we were there in the first place. And after I finally got the opportunity against Loden and Cade, I was in tears saying, this is why I was here to fight. And to that conversation, do you want to be a fucking fighter? There was a day that I showed up at the gym and Dana said, hey, where's Randy at? And I said, I, I don't know. I think he's running late. And He goes, well, fuck, I'm not waiting around for this guy. Here, have this shirt. And he hands me a tap out shirt right. that says they unedited it. on it. Do you want to be a fucking fighter? Yep. It was, to my knowledge, not available to the public. So no. I have some pretty awesome on collectible was. things. Was it unedited?
2: Unedited. Do you want to ah. be a fucking? Had that picture of Dana tap out. Yep. 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 Charles Lewis
0: made it up. Yeah, man. And and I always tell fighters too, you have to do this for the love of the sport. It's too hard. Otherwise, if you're doing it for money and for chicks, join a band and you can drink after your shows, you can drink before your shows, go have fun. If you're going to be a fighter, you have to do it for the love of the sport, but treat it like a business. Otherwise you'll end up broken, broken. Very good. Very wise
1: words, my man. Very wise words. Wait, I want to just wish you luck with everything you're doing. I just didn't want to get into this over Twitter cuz nothing gets resolved and it just goes back and forth and I like to I'm not s- changing minds on Twitter, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> no, nothing's changing, buddy. Nothing's changing. So, you know, it's just I want I wanted to be more positive. I want to be I had a tendency to, for a while there to be extremely negative on Twitter and all social media. I wanted to get away from that, so I've told myself John and I have had this conversation several times. I've just decided like, hey, if there's something that I want to talk to someone about, I have the availability now with this show and being as as, as successful as this MMA show is that we can call anybody we want and be like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And let's have this conversation because this is how shit gets done real communication not by 240 or 280 characters okay this is how it really gets done and so i just wanted to express to you what my thoughts were and i have i wanted to hear what you actually had to say and and i'm glad i did i'm glad that i reached out to you i'm glad we were able to get you on i appreciate you coming on thanks buddy
0: oh my pleasure Oh, man, I I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my side and to to share your side as well, because I learned a lot. I I feel like I understand your perspective. And over and over again, the way I see things, it's just really a matter of how much weight a person puts towards something. Yeah. you're putting a little more weight towards your concern about it, changing the sport for the negative. I'm putting a little more, more weight and belief that it's going to change the support, the sport for the positive. Mm-hmm. We just have our different perspectives. I don't think I am definitely not looking at you again, going, well, that's dumb. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and going, I can understand his perspective and where he's coming from. And, and all too often we just don't get to have those conversations like we did tonight.
2: Well, I just want to tell you, <laughs> always loved you as a fighter loved you as far as the way you, you carry yourself thank you for everything thanks for coming on the show i hope you had fun i know it's tough having to talk to both of us but <laughs> really do really do appreciate it and man if you ever need anything you know where to call
0: uh let me just throw out real quick everybody go to zombie buy my comic book
2: do it
1: take it easy buddy thanks for coming on buddy is, we'll talk
0: soon thank you gentlemen All right, man. later bye
1: all right guys, so we've already given you guys our pitch. go to Wayne in. uh what was I gonna say? Go to <laughs> go, go to the Wayne in to, I was gonna say go to the Wayne in uh YouTube channel, hit the thumbs up, share our videos to everyone else. We appreciate you guys. look our numbers are we've been gaining and gaining and gaining about a 1, thousand and fifteen hundred every every other week, and I want to try to get those numbers back up again because we were on pace for almost we were doing like six seven thousand um a month. So let's try and get it back up there. So if you guys can, please share our content, share our videos. We're uh, Pod Gion and Podcast Dave are doing short clip videos as well. Easier to share for you guys and uh, directly to the point. And they're doing, a, they're doing a wonderful job of doing that. So I don't like to give them too much credit because it goes to their head. But we also wanted to say, John and I wanted to tell you, you guys, thank you so much the way you guys have helped our show grow. It's only been a year and like four or five months since we've had the show and uh, we've grown a lot and i appreciate all of you guys for sharing our content please continue to share it also go to all of our audio platforms hit the subscribe button there as well we're on spotify we're on itunes soundcloud google play all of stitcher hit up all those audio platforms hit the subscribe button there as well and share you guys can also share those links also for me i listen to our show when i'm driving i don't watch it you know just because it's a hazard (laughs) wink wink (laughs) you know um so go ahead and i listen to it in the car as well Uh, i know there's a lot of traffic people driving to and from work but if you guys are in the car for a long duration of time through the holidays pop it on man give us a follow and hit the subscribe button there john anything else
2: i got nothing else to say nothing else to worry about all i gotta say is josh see ya